Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. A special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. We are uh, at 10 minutes after 11 p.m. Lisa, we're live here on WGN with our show a little late. We got a uh, late start. Due a little to bit sports. late, but we will be here till 3 a.m. with plenty of classic radio for yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Now, normally we're on from 10 p.m. until 3 a.m., on uh, Saturday nights. We, as I said, had a little late start, but we have some great shows for you. We're going to start things off in just a moment with suspense. We have all Christmas shows tonight and also each week all the way till Christmas. We're going to start things off with suspense starring Greer Garson. We have an awesome picture of Greer Garson on our uh, fun fact, right? Right on our Facebook page. Our Facebook pa- page. And then we have Jack Benny setting up the Christmas tree from 1952 and then an hour long Lux Radio Theater presentation of Christmas in July starring Dick Powell and Linda Darnell with Lionel Barrymore as the guest host. It's an hour long show. And as I said, Christmas shows all the way to Christmas right here on WGN. All the way to Christmas. We've got yeah. Christmas all the way to Christmas. That's right. Now, uh, speaking of Christmas, Yes. We have a Christmas collection that is available via digital download to our listeners by going to 100radioshows.com. That's the website, 100radioshows.com. When you go there, there are seven different collections. Each of the collections has 100 radio shows, 50 hours of material in each collection. And one of the collections, Lisa is a Christmas collection, being Crosby. Who else is in it? We've got Fibber, McGee, and Molly, Suspense, Ozzy and Harriet, Dragnet, a whole host of different types of shows, all with a holiday theme. Burns and Allen, Jack Benny, Boston Blackie, Whistler, all the best of the best, but holiday versions of each show. Check it out at our website, 100radioshows.com. All right. Very, very good. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Then when we come back, it is Suspense, starring Greer Garson. Stick around. Yeah, I I like presents. I like presents. I'd like a nice present from you, Lisa, for Christmas. You well, know what I'd like? <laughs> I really would like to know what you'd like. I'll take that I can a McLaren. <laughs> I'd like a McLaren. Well, you know what? I think you should think big, Carl. You know, you think too small. I mean, really, go crazy uh, Let me this tell year. you, if I came to the radio station and there was a black or silver McLaren with a bow on it from you... I'd be You'd very, like very, that. I'd be very happy. All right, well, I'll... That would make me really happy. Is that the only thing that would make you happy? Yeah, that's my number one wish mm. for Christmas, a McLaren. Wow. I may have to go with your number two, possibly <laughs> number three. Well, just make sure it's not a matchbox McLaren. I want the real thing. The real deal. Yeah. I'm going to work on that, Carl, though. Uh, you might have to go with number two or number three. You might need a couple of three. extra, <laughs> two or three extra jobs. <laughs> okay, I'll work on it. <laughs> so uh, because we um, are a little late getting started due to sports, we are not going to play Romance, the episode of Romance. We'll put that back on the shelf, but we are going to play... Uh, Suspense Now, starring Greer Garson from 1953, then Jack Benny from 1952, and then an hour-long Lux Radio Theater. Next hour, we are going to play our game, right? Right. So our t- uh, just after midnight, we will play Guess That Song. We will be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate, so you can stay tuned for that. But before that, we have a great episode of Suspense for you. Twas the night before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, with, Suspense. Uh, Greer Garson. Suspense was uh, one of the longest-running mysteries 
mystery shows of the golden age of radio. All the big movie stars appeared on Suspense. You know, Cary Grant, James Stewart, Humphrey Bogart, uh, Henry Fonda, Betty Davis, Orson Welles, you name it. They appeared on Suspense because it had the best writing, had the best stories, had the best director in, uh, you know, with uh, Norman McDonald, Elliot Lewis over the years. And then it uh, moved to television in the 50s, but uh, actually 1949 it moved to television. It just wasn't the same. And this was a theater of the mind right. type of a radio show. And at Christmas time, they would uh, play Christmas stories. And we have one for you now called Twas the Night Before Christmas. The uh, famous and most and very beautiful movie She's star, Greer Garson, stars. Let's go back to December 21st, 1953. We're going to listen to this uninterrupted now, full half hour. Here is Suspense. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers present Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents a special program for this holiday season. The unusual dramatization of Twas the Night Before Christmas, starring Miss Greer Garson, who appears by arrangement with MGM, producers of the new color picture Knights of the Round Table, in Cinemascope, starring Robert Taylor, Ava Gardner, and Mel Ferrer. Good evening, this is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite. Tonight, as a special Christmas presentation from the worldwide Autolite family, we bring you Miss Greer Garson in a story about a certain little girl on a certain Christmas Eve. And now, Autolite presents transcribed, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas," hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Come on, wake up. <laughs> wake up, Kathy. It's the day before Christmas. Oh, and there's so much Miss to Buck, do. it's light out already. You said you were going to wake me really early today so we could go to the airport and meet them. Come on, up you get. Let's get you dressed. Buffy, they're going to be waiting for me and you didn't wake me. I know what, they're home already. Kathy. Mommy! Daddy, where are you? Daddy! Mommy! Buffy, they're not in their bedroom. Where are they? Kathy. I know. I'll bet they're in the kitchen already having their coffee. Mom! Miss Buff, they're not home. I know, honey. The clock in the kitchen said 8.30. Kathy, here, put this on, dear. You told me you wanted to wear this dress today. So that's why I ironed it for you. Miss Buff. Yes, dear? Why aren't they here? Oh, they'll be here. But when I talked to Mommy on the telephone yesterday, she said she would be here at 6 this morning. And I promised her I'd meet her at the airport, her and Daddy. I know, I know. And Daddy said he had a surprise he was bringing for me all the way from Paris. It's 8.30, Buffy. Let's go out to the airport now. Oh, but there's so many things to do. First, you've got to get your breakfast, and we have to finish decorating the tree. 
And, uh, oh, there's so many things I want you to help oh, me with. Oh, everything can wait, Buffy. Hurry, I promise to meet them. Uh, no, dear. Why not, Buff? Well, I think we'll, we'll wait for them here. Kathy? Yes? You remember what you promised your mommy and dad? That you'd do everything I asked you while they were away? Yes. Then, uh, we'll wait for them here, hmm? All right, Buffy. That's a good I know. Don't you think they might have called and told us they'd be late? Oh, I'll go and make our lunch. You must be very hungry. No, I'm not. Oh, you didn't eat your breakfast, Kathy. Miss Buff, I'm not hungry. Look. Oh, look, it's snowing, honey. We'll have a nice warm lunch, and then we'll go out for a long walk. Hmm? We should have called. I tell you what, Kathy. We'll take our walk first. We'll see the shops. We'll visit. We'll go and see Johnny and your aunt and uncle. Maybe if it snows hard enough, we can all build a snowman. Wouldn't you like that? Yes, that would be fun. <laughs> well, go get your coat and hat and galoshes, dear. All right. And when, when we come back, Mommy and Daddy will be home. Well, you go and get your things now. Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it, Buffy. Mommy. Oh, who's this, Daddy? You sound... Oh, from a newspaper. I see. It's a man, Buff. He says he wants to talk to an older person. Here. Hello? Yes, this is the Harper residence. I'm the housekeeper. I... Well, just a moment, please. Uh, Kathy. Who is it? Someone wants to talk to me, honey. Will you go get your things? No. Who are you talking to, Buffy? Never mind, dear. Go and get your things. No. No, I won't. Hello? Uh, I, I see. Yes. Yes, I saw the papers. Uh, yes, yes, that was the daughter. Yes, the only child. No, she doesn't. No. No, no, I wish you wouldn't. Please, don't, here. No. Who was it? Oh, just a man, honey. It was from the newspapers. Why? What did he want? Nothing. He asked about me, didn't he? Why? Honestly, honey, it was nothing. It was about Mommy and Daddy. Oh, it wasn't anything important. Well... Yes, dear? I don't know. Look at that snow coming down, Kathy. Hmm. Get your things, dear. Go on. Beautifully, Kathy. Very lovely. The street and all the decorations and the singers. It's very lovely, Miss Buck. Honey, here, give this to the man. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Missy. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Let's go home now. In a little while, don't you remember? We were going visiting, too. Mommy and Daddy are probably home right now, waiting for me, wondering where I am. And we'll build a snowman together, like I said. Come on, honey. 
I remember when I was a little girl how excited I'd get. Oh, all the wonderful things to see, the sights and the smells and, and the sounds. Pretty shop windows and the snow. To be a little girl at Christmas time. To be young at Christmas time. And happy at... What's the matter, Buffy? Oh, Kathy. Buffy. Let me hold you. Oh, Kathy, darling. Buffy, you're crying. I'm just silly, I guess. Why, look, there's Santa Claus watching us. Let's say hello to him. You were crying. Hello, Santa. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas, little girl. Merry Christmas. Well, you're a pretty little girl. What's your name? Kathy. Oh, that's a nice name for a nice little girl like you. Thank you. And I can tell you've been a good little girl. I saw the way your mommy was holding you. She's Miss Buff. My mommy's away. Daddy, too. We're taking a walk to make them come home. Oh, and where are they? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy, come in, darling. And Miss Buff. How are you? Come in, come in. Mother, Mother, guess who's here? Why, Kathy and Miss Buff. Hello, Aunt Lee. Hello, Mrs. Cleveland. Yes. Take your things off. We've got a big fire in the living room. And wait till you see our Christmas tree, Kathy. I'm sure it's very beautiful. I'll bet Kathy came to see her cousin Johnny, didn't she? <laughs> yes, I did, Uncle Ted. I would like to see him very much. Uh, do you know what that boy of mine did, Miss Buff? No. He found the train. Oh, he did? After I took so much trouble to hide them out in the garage, he found them. <laughs> so, of course, I had to set them up for him. <laughs> well, it's the day before Christmas. He's uh, in his room now, Kathy. Yes, I would like to play with the train. Of course you would. Jolly! I can't come out, Daddy. I'm busy. Kathy's here. Hey, come on up and play with my trains, Kathy. You ought to see. I've got them all hitched up now. Go on, Kathy. All right. I've been on the phone since seven this morning, Miss Buff, and there just isn't any word at all about the plane. Look! 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 A man from the newspaper called the house. I told him to stay away. Did the child know? <laughs> I... I think she does. What did you tell her? Nothing. How do you tell a child, Mrs. Cleveland? Look at it go! What I can't understand is why no word at all. The plane took off from Paris on time, and there was radio contact over Ireland, from what I could find out. But since then, nothing. You'd better tell her, John. Tell me what? Well, there was a storm oh. over the ocean. Pretty bad storm. They said... Miss Buff. Yes, darling? I just figured out something. It's about Mommy and Daddy. Kathy. They're not coming home. They're not ever coming home.
Chicago Light is bringing you Miss Greer Garson with Anne Whitfield as Kathy in Twas the Night Before Christmas. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. going to be good to get inside of the house, Kathy. Oh, look at you. You look almost like the snowman you and Johnny built. Here, let me brush you off a bit before we go inside. There's a man there. What'd you say, darling? Right there, standing by the door. A man. Hello. Good evening, miss. Hello, little girl. Is this your house? Yes, I live here. Who are you? What do you want? Oh, then you'd be the Harper's little girl, wouldn't you? Yes? I asked you, who are you? Now, don't worry about it, ma'am. I just want to take a picture of the little girl. You want your picture taken, little girl? Bobby. You're the reporter I talked to this morning, aren't you? And uh, we'll want one of you, too, ma'am. Here, get in the house, Kathy. Don't stand there, dear. Get in the house. I'll be in in a moment. It's Christmas Eve, Mr. Reporter. Did you know that? Oh, now, look, ma'am. I've it's got Christmas to... Eve. Where's your heart? Oh, look, you've got to understand. I talked to you on the phone. It was almost ten hours ago, before noon. It's nighttime already. There still isn't any word about the plane. I represent a newspaper, ma'am. We've got to assume... Well, you know, I don't want to say it any more than you do. Oh, just go away. Oh, now, really, I've got to... Were you, were you ever lonely on Christmas Eve? Alone in a house that's empty? Well, outside, other people were singing... Well, there was warmth and love and joy, but outside... I'm just trying to Christmas do Christmas Eve, the snow is falling. Christmas Eve, and the child is... is grieving. Yeah, I'm sorry. Good night. It's in the living room, Buffy. Who thought? Yes? Let's have a secret. What, Bobby? Let's not wait till tomorrow. What do you mean? We go to our tree and open some of our presents now. Maybe just one. Hmm? Choose the one with the most beautiful wrapping. You can open it and you can play with it now while I go and fix something for you to eat. I'm not hungry, Bob. Honestly, I'm not. Oh, just some milk and cookies, honey. You haven't eaten some. Well, well, let's choose. Go ahead, pick one. That one. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's from Mr. and Mrs. Anderson next door. Open it. You open it, Buffy. Very well. Oh, look. Very nice. A carousel. Well, I wind it for you. And we'll put it down here. Now. Oh, my sweet. You watch it. When it runs down, you can wind it up again. I'm going into the kitchen. Kathy, here's your... Kathy. Kathy, honey, where are you? 
Cassie, the milk and cookies are on the table. Cassie? Are you in your room, Cassie? Cassie? Cassie, honey? Cassie! Why, Miss Ball. Mr. Anderson, is Kathy here? Well, I know. Why is... Uh... Uh, would you mind asking Mrs. Anderson if Kathy's here? Maybe she came in through the back way. Well, Mrs. Anderson and I have been sitting in the living room for the last hour. Well, what's the matter, Miss Ball? Kathy ran out of the house. Oh, poor child. I can imagine how she must well, feel. I thought she might have come over here next door. She just ran out of the house. I don't know where she is. Oh, a child like that and what's happened to her today. Now, wait. I'll get my coat, Miss Buff. I'll come with you. Paul, listen. Hi, Mr. Anderson. Want a ride? You can go all the way down the hill for three blocks. They've got roped off. Uh, Paul, have you seen Kathy? Sure. Well, where is she? I don't know. Where is she, Paul? Where did she go? How am I supposed to know where she went? But you saw her, didn't you? Sure. She was running down the block. I yelled at her to come on over, but she kept running. Uh, which way, Paul? Down there, I guess. Where the stores are. Uh, thank you. Sure. Merry Christmas, Mr. Anderson. Merry Christmas, Miss Buff. Hey, what? She hasn't been in my store, Miss Buff, and I, I'm the only one on the block who's open. Last-minute Christmas rush, you know. Thank you, Mr. Ruxton. Say, now, that kid and what happened to that plane today, I'd sure let the police know she was missing. I think he's right, Miss Buff. Call them, please. Call them. Oh, uh, use this phone, Mr. Anderson. Thank you. Uh, hello, operator. Uh, give me the police. Uh, oh, hello, police. I want to report a little girl who's missing. Uh-huh. Kathy Harper. Well, she's got blonde hair and blue eyes. And... Oh, wait a second. I'll find out. Go in the house, Miss Buff. I'm sure they'll find her. It's ten o'clock. They've been looking for three hours. Oh, they have ways. They'll find her. We waited in that station house. All the policemen who phoned in. None of them. Well, you just go in the house now. I'll send Mrs. Anderson over. No, no, really. I'd, I'd rather you wouldn't. Well. Good night, Mr. Anderson. And thank you. Patrolman Reed, ma'am. We found Kathy. Yes, ma'am. 
Where is she? You better come with me, ma'am. was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring. Not even the mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama and her kerchief and I and my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Way to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw open the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver. So lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen, to the tops of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Bobby! Oh, Lord, 
Christmas, Cassie. Cassie, baby. Oh. Hey, hey, it's Christmas. We don't cry on Christmas. I thought... Oh, baby. Baby. Hey, how about a big hug for me? Oh, Daddy. Ah, that's my girl. Where's Miss Buff? I was in bed. She was reading to me. In bed's the place for you. Come on, I'll carry you. Buff! It's Mommy! It's Daddy! I know, darling, I know. Hello, Buffy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Buff. We had to make an emergency landing in Newfoundland. Small field communications were shot. That storm... Yes, yes. Let's not talk about it anymore now. Buffy was reading me a wonderful thing about the night before Christmas. Here. I'll put you in bed, Kathy. There. There you are. Read it to us, Buffy. Mm-hmm. To all of us. Oh, well, I um, lost my place. I... Read it, Buffy. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys. And St. Nicholas, too. And then in a twinkle, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bond. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back and looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word that went straight to his work and filled all the stockings. And turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down on a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Miss Greer Garson in a dramatization of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Tonight's production in Autolite's Suspense. Suspense is transcribed and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Marowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Chorus was under the direction of Roger Wagner. Twas the Night Before Christmas was written for Suspense by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. In tonight's story, Anne Whitfield was heard as Kathy. Featured in the cast... 
were Harry Bartell, Irene Tedrow, Mary Lansing, Charles Calvert, Howard McNear, Herb Butterfield, Johnny McGovern, Sidney Miller, Joseph Kearns, and John Ramsey Hill. And here once again is our lovely star, Miss Garson. Harlow, thank you very much. And thank you, Anne Whitfield. While I have these few moments, may I join the Autolite family in sending holiday greetings to our friends everywhere. Merry Christmas, Harlow. Merry Christmas, Greer. Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. This is the CBS Radio Network. That's suspense. Twas the night before Christmas. Greer Garson starring December 21st, 1953. Sponsored by Autolite. Good night. Sort on CBS. <laughs> Harlow Wilcox. I'm telling you, if I ever have any more kids. Right. Harlow is it. Naming him or her wouldn't matter. Boy I, or girl. I, Harlow. I, I vote for Harlow. H-A-R-L-O. Just drop the W. Why? I, I think it's You're just going to discard the W? Yeah, it sounds the same, but less letters. Not if it was a guy. You'd have to have the W. I'm picturing a girl But for if some it was reason. a girl, then you go with H-A-R-L-O. I mm. like that. Maybe you should work on that. I mean, the kid thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find uh, the a, woman a woman first. Yeah, right. that would be nice. That would you be know, good. That you would have be to see what you can do about that. Probably good if she'd, you know... If she'd what? If she'd <laughs> want to name it Harlow. Is well, what, what I'm you'd have to. Maybe I just get a puppy. It's a maybe lot. Maybe you should just lot, meet somebody I just, I just, first. I just get a puppy. A puppy be can't a lot give you a baby. <laughs> easier. No, name the puppy Harlow. Oh, I get it. You love your puppy. Oh, I, mean, I love my I might, doggy. I might just get a little puppy. I think you should. All right, that's what I'm gonna All do. All right, I'm, Harlow. I, I'm le- when I leave here, I'm going to the shelter. You're going straight at three a.m. to the shelter. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. I was at Woodman's today. Did all my shopping. Oh, did you get some good Giant deals there? Giant carts. Oh, wait a minute. We've been talking about going to Woodman's and putting you in the cart to see how giant it really is. They're huge carts at, at Woodman's. Would it be large enough even to fit you? I could fit in the cart. <laughs> Are I you mean, sure? Probably two of me could fit in the cart. Have you tried? I, I love Woodman's because, first of all, and this is so true, that not because they're a sponsor. Yes, they are a sponsor, so of course I'm going to talk good. But this is this is true. You save money when you go to Woodman's. I save so much money. I bet you I save $50, Lisa, well, going to Woodman's I'll tell over you what another I, I'll tell you what grocery. I appreciate about it. They have excellent produce and excellent deli. Oh, everything's um, fresh. So I just feel like I get the best meats and the best fruits and the best vegetables, and that's what's important to me. Yeah, and you know what? I filled up. I got everything. Fill up that cart. And I didn't have to have two carts. You know, a lot of times. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, because I stock you up. You are kidding. I have a son who eats a lot of food. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and I eat a lot of food. Do you? Yeah. So I stocked up and, you know, and the, here's the other thing, folks. When you go to Woodman's, don't throw out your receipt because you can take that receipt, take a photo of it with your iPhone and email it to us at WoodmansWGN at gmail.com and what'll happen is within 36 hours we will email you back usually it's a lot faster than that we'll email you back 12 classic radio shows and through the month of december we're sending you 12 christmas shows and every month we change out the shows you get 12 different shows it's great shop at woodman save a ton of money i mean a ton of money and then take a picture with your smartphone 
of your receipt from Woodman's and email it in. Woodman's WGN. Woodman's WGN at gmail.com. Well, I love shopping at Woodman's. I haven't tried the receipt thing, but <laughs> but I love shopping there. <laughs> yeah, well, you can. Well, you're a classic radio club member. I am. So she gets the shows sent to her via digital, digital download. download every month. That's what uh, people love the classic radio club. And here's the thing, too classic radio club, you join and you get 10 shows sent to you each and every month, but. If you want to cancel, just cancel. It's not, there's no roping you into it. You know, you join the club. If in two months you don't want to be a part of the club anymore, you just cancel. But you know what? Most people, when they join the Classic Radio Club at classicradioclub.com, I mean, most people have been in it from day one when they, when they join. Right. They, they just, every month they you get just. get little hooked on Classic Radio. Well, if you like what we play here at WGN, you will love to be a Classic Radio Club I, member. When I get these shows in the collection I, and I find something really unique, right. I put it aside for the for club. For the club. Yeah. I mean, I just got some uh, Broadway is My Beat episodes in like pristine quality. But they have, they don't have Larry Thor, the guy that normally is the person you hear on him. In the first, like, maybe two months, there was another guy. Um, and I can't remember the name of the guy right now, but there was another guy playing the part. So he'll be in the club. And I've never heard yeah. any of those. That's what we talked so, about, the hidden gems. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Gem, real gems. Um, oh, yeah, firsts in a series, like the very first episode of a certain series or whatever. But um, So Classic Radio Club, if you love these shows, folks, check it out. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Join. Even try it for a month or two months. I think you'll really like it, and uh, we really appreciate uh, all the support. If you join the club, it's uh, it just re- because it helps me to get more shows and put more shows, better shows in there each and every month. So, ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, in the next hour, we're going to tune in to uh, Jack Benny. Oh, man, Christmas show. You're going to love it. He's setting up the Christmas tree, 1952 broadcast, Jack and all his gang. After that, then a Lux Radio Theater hour-long broadcast. Uh, with Dick Powell and Linda Darnell. You won't want to miss that. All right, so this is uh, would-be hour three, actually. Right. So we're just going to call this hour three. Hour three it Even, is. Because we had an hour late start. We were a little late getting here. Yeah, we weren't late getting here. No, we were <laughs> You may have been late getting here. No, I was actually, not late we getting were here, here at 9 o'clock. We were here, we got here at, at 9, nine o'clock. o'clock. Because we weren't sure what time the game was over, so we don't want to be late. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> let's get there about 9 o'clock. Right. We got to um, first go to Dave Plyer's amazing Christmas party. That we was did. It's a yearly good. tradition. Oh, my gosh. It was so much fun. He it does great. it right. Unfortunately, it started at 7, and we had to be here at 9, so we only got to be there for like an hour but and But you had plenty minutes. of time to eat. <laughs> oh, I, let me tell you, those shrimps and everything like that. <laughs> we had fun. What a spread. We yeah. had a lot of fun. I think as I get older, I talk more about food. Is this, is this what I happens? I think you just talk a is lot. Is this what happens? <laughs> you get older, and it's like, hey, where are you going for breakfast? And what are we going to do for lunch? And then what about dinner? You know, it's like I think you just narrate your life in general. You just talk <laughs> Maybe because I'm everything. not on Facebook, and you I'm just, not in any of that social yeah, media stuff. Yeah, that's why, Carl. That must be it. I, I just can't. You just narrate your life Here's out the loud. thing. <laughs> if I was smart enough to figure out Facebook, I'd probably be on it. Right. It's probably a lot of fun. It's probably a good thing that I you're not. I just can't figure that out. You'd be one out. of those people that, like, that would let us know if you like turn to the right. and It might be a little too much information. Is that what happens on Facebook? Like, 
hey, I did this today. Some I, people are like I that. painted my toenails. Some people are like that. You have wow. to pick and choose your friends very carefully. My mom <laughs> loves Facebook. You know. She's 91. It's, that's amazing. She, she stays connected that way. on Facebook like Every time I visit her, she's, she's got like, the Facebook Maybe on. she should teach you a few things. She knows how to do it. She's <laughs> all over she that Facebook page. <laughs> she's so she's listening. But she stops to listen to the show. Well, I hope so. She listens to our show. Well, she then puts you, the Facebook. you have at least one fan out there, She's Carl. got an iPad. She does it on does an she? iPad. Wow. Very That's progressive, impressive. Did you mother. buy it for her? I'm not sure. No, I don't. Th- I don't know where she got it. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was there, she and she had, a, had an she had an iPad. Um, yeah, but she listens to our show. She doesn't. Well, miss, that she doesn't way you know you have show. a fan out there. That's true. In this hour, Jack Benny, oh, a yeah. great Christmas show. Oh, you're gonna love it. 1952 broadcast. But first, we're gonna play our game. We are. We're going to play Guess That Song. We are on 1961 this evening and this morning. And we will be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for wow. $25. So call in right now. We're looking for caller number four at 312-981-7200. Call right now and then we'll be right back. Guess That Song. We're going to Guess That Song. We have Ed on the phone to play the game. Hey, Ed. Hi there, uh, Carl and Lisa. Hi, Ed. How Hi, are you? Ed. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much. Good. Yeah. Glad you're with us. We're on 1961. We're going to play the first song right now. Why don't we make a scene? Sound familiar, Ed? That one does not. Does it sound familiar to you, Carl? <laughs> no. Of course, I wasn't born in 1961. <laughs> okay, well, here's here's your clue. The Parent Trap, 1961, the film with Haley Mills. Yeah. That, let's hear uh, Could it be? Is it Haley Mills? It is. It is. Let's hear it. <laughs> Haley Mills, Let's Get Together, written for The Parent Trap. I've never heard this song. What? That is obscure. I have never heard okay, this song. Okay, so this was written for the 1961 film. Do you remember Lindsay Lohan did the Pear yeah, Trap but that was later? A, yeah. Right, well, this is then the original 1961 Haley Mills. Okay. Okay. All right, you're definitely going that to know that. was a that- snoozer. Well, sorry, I can't d- take 1961 top okay. music. Uh- Okay. If Carl doesn't get it right, it's a snoozer. <laughs> uh, I'm positive you know the second song. Let's okay. play it. That's all you get. Uh, uh, the lion sleeps tonight. There it is. Let's hear it. The tokens. The lion sleeps tonight. It's a great song. Yeah. Is I it like good? This. Because you knew this, this one. This song I like. So this one's okay. Ed, you are absolutely right. This song was popularized in the 1930s by a South African singer named a wing a wep, a wing a Solomon wep. Linda, who recorded it in 1939 with his group. Great tune. Ed, I knew you'd know that one. And you are the winner. You've won a $25 gift certificate. For Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Find one of their 40 plus Chicago lawn locations or order online at com. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you so Six, much. Have a, have a great long night. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Ed. We, we love it. And you know, 1961 is a long way back, yeah. but uh, it's a lot of fun. Ed's a big winner. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. In our next hour, we will play the game again. We're going to do it next hour. We will not do it in our last 
last hour, but we will do it right. next and hour. And next hour, we will be giving away a desktop indoor weather station. You can stay tuned for wow. that a little after 1 o'clock. Not bad, Lisa Wolf. I know. You're pretty good. So you're, you're one for two. No, that's not true. That's a great, great, it's a great song, and it's a great movie. Did you ever see The Parent Trap? Yeah, I saw the Lindsay Lohan one. All right, well, this Dennis was Dennis Quaid played her dad. That's right, but that was made from this. This was the original film. Right, so it was a sequel. Or not a sequel. No, it was, it was a the remake. Same thing it was a remake. Made. Yeah. And so that's not a snoozer, just so we're clear. <laughs> Maybe hey, by you know, 12.15, everything's a snoozer. Hey, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you better stay awake. <laughs> Let me tell you, folks. Lisa, she, she finds a little area. She does. A, she curls up in a little ball, and she just uh, takes a little snooze, you know. So no snoozing. Well, let me tell you something. Classic radio shows. To that play would here. be impossible with Jack Benny setting up the Christmas tree. I know tree. this so, is gonna be great. I am rear ready to go to Jack. Raring and ready Raring to go. And ready to go. Jack, Jack Benny. Benny. Uh, he was the greatest, and uh, every Christmas he would do a Christmas show. We have the 1952 Christmas show, December 21st to be exact. So let's tune this. And and, uh, we'll listen to it uninterrupted. Here's the Jack Benny program. The Jack Benny program. Broadcasting from the Veterans Administration Hospital in Long Beach, California, Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, since our program today comes to you from a hospital, I take great pleasure in bringing you a man who talks like a doctor and walks like a nurse. What? Jack Benny! (laughs) Well, that's all I've got to say. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny talking. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Don, Don. Oh, oh, I'm sorry to break up like this, Jack, but that introduction I gave you was so funny, I just can't help laughing. <laughs> oh, you uh, you thought it was funny, huh, Don? Yeah, you're not angry, are you? No, no. Oh, well, I'm glad you're not, because you don't be anything for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Talks like a doctor and walks like a nurse. <laughs> Jack, you sure you're not angry? Don, Don, now why should I be angry? After you said I, when you said I talked like a doctor, I was flattered. After all, if I'm a doctor, I'm an MD. MD means more deductions. (laughs) Which is exactly what you're going to find on your paycheck this week. Now, laugh that one off. Now, brother. wait a minute, Jack. Every time I say something that strikes me funny, you always... Don, 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 don't get excited. I'm not going to cut your salary. I only said that to stop you from laughing. See, the way you were shaking, I was afraid Terminal Island would sink another three feet. <laughs> no kidding, fellas. Did you ever see a stomach as big as Don's? If that thing was filled with toys, every kid in America would be loaded. <laughs> Hey, Don, if you're such a laughing boy, why is it when I say funny things, you don't get hysterical? That was a pretty good joke, you know. Well, frankly, I fail to see the humor in any platitudes concerning my obesity. (laughs) 
What does that mean? I don't like being called a big fat slob. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hiya, fellas. Well, Mary, I'm certainly glad you got here in time for the show. You know, you had me worried. Well, I'm sorry, Jack, but I overslept. It took me an hour and 20 minutes to drive down from Beverly Hills. Oh, you overslept, huh? Yeah. I've been up late every night this week. Well, look, Mary, if I told you once, I've told you a thousand times. If you want to remain a big star, you can't stay up all hours of the night having fun. Who's having fun? I'm wrapping Christmas packages at May Company. <laughs> oh, yes, the Christmas rush, yeah. Uh, excuse me a minute, Jack. Oh, Don. Yes, Mary? I've got a big surprise for you. Just as I entered the building, I ran into Dr. Comar and Dr. Bors. No kidding, Mary. Dr. Comar and Dr. Bohr, huh? Uh, who's Dr. Comar? Who's Dr. Bors? Uh, Don, they said that since the operation, they've received honorary mention from the Medical Society. Ah, gee, that's quite an honor for Dr. Comar and Dr. Bors. Who's Dr. Comar and who's Dr. Bors? And you know, Don... Wait a minute! <laughs> who's Dr. Comar and Dr. Bors? Well, Jack, if you must know, they're the doctors who performed a major abdominal operation on Don. On Don? Yes. Gee, I didn't know Don had a stomach operation, Mary. What did they take out? They didn't take anything out. They put in a deep freeze. <laughs> Now, Mary, Mary, before you came in, Don told me that he doesn't like any platitudes concerning his obesity. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know, Mary, really. I'm quoting. Oh, Longfellow the poet? No, fat fellow, the announcer. <laughs> now, look, Mary, we came down to entertain the boys here at the Veteran Administration Hospital. So let's not... Oh, excuse me, Mary. Come in. Here I am, boss! Rochester! Well, bring it, bring it right in, Rochester, and we'll set it up here in the corner. Jack, a Christmas tree. That's right, Mary. I bought it for the boys here. Well, Jack, with trees selling for a dollar and a half a foot, you certainly picked out a nice big one. Oh, I picked this one out, Miss Limston. I returned the one that Mr. Benny bought. Uh, why? Couldn't you get it through the door? Through the door? You could have gotten that one through the keyhole. <laughs> Rochester, do me a favor. Just set the tree up and start trimming it. Okay. And, boss, if I do a good job, would you give me the rest of the week off? I sort of made arrangements to play Santa this year. Rochester, you're... you're going to play Santa Claus? No, Santa Anita. <laughs> I should have known. I'm sorry, Rochester, but I'm not giving you any time off to go to the racetrack. But, boss... Rochester, don't but boss me. You've been working for me for 12 years, and I've made it a policy never to let you gamble. Well, Mr. Benny is right, Rochester. It'd be different if you were making a decent salary. <laughs> Why, certainly. <laughs> now, Rochester, set up the Christmas tree and start trimming it. Okay. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride the one-horse open sleigh. Rochester. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. If my voice was higher, you would fire Dennis Day. <laughs> I would not. Well, 
Now, Rochester, just just hang the ornaments on the tree and be very careful with them because... Hello, we... Mary. Hello, Jack. Hiya, fellas. Bob Crosby. Say, Bob, this is the first time you've been down to the Veterans Hospital in Long Beach. How do you like it? Oh, it's just wonderful, Jack. You know, this whole place is run just like a great, big, luxurious hotel. <laughs> a hotel? You know, Jack, I ran into a friend of mine who's a patient here, and you should have heard him rave about the service. No kidding. Why, he said all you have to do is just yell, and four beautiful nurses rush in and wait on you. <laughs> No. Yeah. And he said it doesn't matter when you feel like eating. All you got to do is just press a little buzzer and the chef comes out, sits on the edge of your bed and says, which would you prefer, boys, filet mignon or crepe Suzette? Well, that is service. I don't blame your friend for raving. Oh, that isn't all. If you feel like a little liqueur or champagne after dinner, why, my friend said all you have to do is just call the wine steward and, uh... Bob... Bob, why'd you stop talking? Well, that's where my friend stopped. He came out of the ether. (laughs) Well, I I thought he was exaggerating a little bit. Now, Bob, even though Dennis is going to sing later, I think the boys here would appreciate it if you did a song, too. How about it? Well, I've got a song that hasn't anything to do with Christmas, but it's a very big hit right now. Well, I'm sure they'd like to hear it. Let's have it. the stars get in your eyes, don't let the moon break your heart. While love blooms at night, in daylight it dies, don't let the stars get in your eyes. Oh, keep your heart for me, for someday I'll return and you know you're the only one I've ever loved. Too many nights, too many stars, too many moons could change your mind. If I'm gone too long, don't forget where you belong. When the stars come up, remember you are mine. Don't let the stars get in your eyes. Don't let the moon break your heart. Love blooms at night. In daylight it dies. Don't let the stars get in your eyes. Oh, keep your heart for me, for someday I'll return. And you know you're the only one I'll ever love. Don't. Let the stars get in your eyes. That was Bob Crosby singing Don't Let the Stars Get in Your Eyes. And very good, Bob. Very good. Thank you, Jack. Say, do you mind if I ask you something? Not at all, Bob. What is it? Well, what would you do if you found out that someone was stealing your jokes and trying to imitate you? Well, I'd be awfully upset about it. Why do you ask? Well, I'm in the same predicament. (laughs) Yeah, there's another singer around. He makes records and everything. Goes out of his way to sound an awful lot like me. (laughs) Hmm, I think I know who you mean. Bob Hope introduced me to him. They were making that picture, The Road to Redondo. 
But uh, look, if you're so concerned about this fellow stealing your style, why don't you talk to him? Well, I did, and he hit me over the head with Gary. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, wait a minute, Bob. If you feel that your brother Bing's reputation is hurting you professionally, why don't you change your name? Say, that's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that before? That's what I'll do. I'll change my name. What are you going to change it to? Sam Crosby. <laughs> Well, that'll fool everybody. Now, look, Mary. Oh, boss! What is it, Rochester? I'm almost finished trimming the tree. How's it look? Mm, those ornaments I brought down certainly look nice, but, Rochester, the tree doesn't look colorful with just the red ornaments. Put some green ones on now. There ain't any green ones. Rochester, I picked out two dozen green ones. How come they're all red? They ripened on the way down. I told you not to use them. <laughs> I can't understand how those tomatoes could ripen so fast. <laughs> From Beverly Hills to Long Beach is only 40 miles as the crow flies. That's a 1952 crow. You got a 1910 Maxwell. <laughs> oh, stop. Rochester's right, Jack. Why don't you get rid of that old car and buy a new one? I'll tell you why, Mary. That car has been like an old friend to me. It's been with me through rain and shine, through thick and thin. Through good times and bad. Through McKinley and Coolidge. Coolidge. I know. <laughs> very funny, Mary. Very funny. I think I think that was the cleverest line in the show. Don't you think so, Bob? Bob? Sam. Yes, sir. <laughs> Everybody has to be a comedian. Well, Jack, you've got to admit that Mary got off some beautiful ad libs today. I know. She must be trying to impress the girls at the May Company. May Company? What does he mean, Mary? Well, Bob, I can't live on what Jack is paying me, so I'm working nights wrapping Christmas gifts. Oh, no. Now, wait a minute. I don't believe that Jack could be that cheap. Well, brother, you're in for a shock. A shock? Yeah, last night I wrapped the Christmas gift he's sending you. No kidding, Mary. What'd he get me? Well, I'm not allowed to tell, Bob. When, when you unwrap the Christmas package, save the paper. It's the most expensive part. You nearly lost that joke up good. <laughs> I thought she'd never get to the end of that one. I don't mind being stingy, but get to it. Now, Bob, believe me, I'm sending you a very... Excuse me. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? Mr. Benny, I represent the patients here at the Long Beach Veterans Hospital. I see. We understand that when you did a show at an air base, the boys gave you a propeller with their names on it. Yes, yes, they did. And when you did a program at a naval base, they gave you a life preserver bearing the signatures of the entire personnel. That's right. So we, too, would like to present you with a token of our appreciation. You would? Yes. On behalf of the patients here at the Veterans Hospital in Long Beach, I'd like to present you with this autographed bed sheet. <laughs> Well, isn't that wonderful? Gee, look at all the names of the boys here. Wait a minute, what's this name here? It looks like Robert Smith. But the Robert is scratched out, and it says Louise. Uh, yes, the doctors here are as good as the ones in Denmark. <laughs> Louise, well, what do you know? Well, thank you very much for the gift. You're welcome. What a thing to present me with, a bedsheet. Oh, boss! Yes, Rochester? I can't reach the top of the tree to put the star on it. 
Well, of course you can't reach it. Use the ladder. But, boss, that ladder's awful wobbly. Oh, stop being a baby. Give me that star. I'll climb the ladder and put it up myself. There we are. Now all I have to do is lean over. Jack, and... Jack, the ladder's starting to shake. Look out! What do you mean the tree looks beautiful? I still got the star in my hand. I know, but your toupee flew off and caught on the top branch. <laughs> my toupee? Yeah, lots of trees have snow, but this one's got dandruff. <laughs> hmm. Jack, Jack, when you fell off the ladder, did you hurt yourself? No, darn it. What do you mean, darn it? Well, the year is almost up, and I haven't had a chance to use my Blue Cross policy yet. <laughs> now, Rochester, set the ladder up again. I'm going to put that star up. Oh, on just top. a minute, just a minute, Jack. What is it, Don? All right, fellas, take it. Listen, 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 better watch out, you better not cry. Listen now, Jack, we're telling you why Santa Claus is coming through town. He's making a list and checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming through town. He sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out, you better not cry. Listen now, Jack, we're telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to Very, very nice, Don. Gee, I, I wish I could use that number on my television show next Sunday. Oh, that's right, Jack. Your next TV show is the 28th, isn't it? That's right, next Sunday. Jack, are you having any guest stars? Am I having guest stars? Get this, Mary. I'm having Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Stewart. Wow, Jimmy Stewart and his wife. Why, Jack, that must cost a fortune. No, no, it doesn't, Bob. You see, I made a very good deal. You see, I only hired Jimmy Stewart's wife. And Jimmy is coming on for nothing. Yeah, but why would he do that? He doesn't trust me. <laughs> anyway, they're going to be with me next Sunday on my TV show, and it's going to... Well, Dennis, it's about time you got here. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, everybody. Dennis, what made you so late? Oh, I wasn't late. What? I was here all the time, but my mother told me to hide. Why would your mother tell you to do a thing like that? She said, I like to see the old man worry. <laughs> Dennis, what has your mother got against me anyway? Look what I did for you. I made it possible for you to be on radio. Got your jobs and pictures, television. I don't know why your mother's so mad. Why, last summer when I took you to London, I even bought your, your first class pack, uh, passage. I'm worse than Mary here, Bertie. <laughs> Why, last summer... I'm going to take that line over again. Why, last summer, when I took you to London, I even bought you first-class passage. That's why she's mad at you. 
Why, because your ticket was first class? No, because it was round trip. <laughs> oh, well, Dennis, I don't care if your mother likes me or not. And, kid, if she was listening to the program, I hope she squirmed a little because I had Bob Crosby sing a song. Who? Bob Crosby. Who? Dennis, don't you remember me? Oh, Sam! <laughs> Now, look here, Dennis. Jack. Huh? No wonder Dennis says silly things. You get him excited. You don't yeah. know how to handle him. I guess you're right, Mary. Of course I'm right. Now, now look, Dennis. This is the first time you've been here at the Veterans Hospital. So why don't oh, you... Oh, I was here before. Oh, you were? Uh-huh. During the war, when I was entering the service, I had to fill out a questionnaire, and after I got through answering all the questions, they sent me down here for an examination, and three doctors examined me to see if I was fit for the service. Three doctors? See, that must have been quite an examination. Did you have to remove all your clothes? No, they just told me to take off my hat. <laughs> well, that I can believe. Yeah. Oh, you know, Mr. Benny, I rode down here with Don Wilson, and he told me a very funny joke. Would you like to hear it? Well, yes, Dennis, go ahead. Well, Don said that just I... Just a second, just a second, Dennis. Are you sure you can tell this joke before this mixed audience? You know, Louise is here. <laughs> Is the joke all right? Oh, sure. It's a wonderful joke. Well, what is it? Well, Don told me that you ought to be a big success at this hospital because you talk like a doctor and walk like a nurse. <laughs> Dennis, I'm glad you repeated that joke because if I'm a doctor, that makes me an M.D. M.D. stands for Morton Downey, who may be singing on the program next week. <laughs> Oy vey. So watch it. <laughs> oh, boss! Oh, oh, yes, Roger. Oh, is that you, Oy vey? Oh, it's old boss! Oh! <laughs> yes. Yes, Rochester. I got the lights on the tree. Should I turn them on? Not yet. Hey, kids, Rochester, ready to light up the tree. Let's all gather around. Oh, yeah, let's That's see it, Jeff. Now, okay, Rochester, plug in the lights. Yes, sir. Hmm. The wires must be crossed. Well, something must be crossed. The tomatoes lit up. <laughs> Rochester, try it again. Yes, sir. Oh, here's the trouble, boss. There's a bare wire right by the socket. Well, don't stand there. Fix it. Who, me? <laughs> yes, you. Boss, I ain't fooling around with electricity. Oh, Rochester, imagine being afraid of electricity. Supposing Robert Fulton was afraid. He never would have invented the electric light. Would he? Jack, uh, you're thinking of Thomas Edison. Edison? Well, then what did Robert Fulton do? He wrote, I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, yes. Now, Rochester, please fix these lights. Okay, okay. Now, let me see now. In electricity, there's the electrons and the electrodes. And then there's the positive and the negative. But I ain't positive which one is negative. Hmm. Then uh, there's the atoms. Now, the atoms are supposed to go from the positive to the negative. Or maybe they go from the electrons to the electrodes. Then again, maybe they go from Long Beach to Wilmington. 
Rochester. Now, as long as these atoms keep passing each other, everything is all right. But when they meet halfway and start fighting, they're going to turn on anybody who tries to butt in. <laughs> Rochester, I'm not interested in the scientific details. I just want you to fix those lights. And you've got nothing to be afraid of because while you're fixing it, no one is going to plug it in and no one is going to turn on the switch. Oh, I know, boss. While I'm, while I'm holding the bare wire, you ain't going to turn on the switch. And Miss Livingston ain't going to turn on the switch. Of course not. But way up there at Boulder Dam, there's a little man sitting in the room all alone. <laughs> with thousands of wires around him. So what? Uh, how do I know he ain't going to do something just to break the monotony? <laughs> Rochester, you can stop with the joke. Jack, Jack. What? Look, the lights went on. Oh, yes. Who fixed the wire? <laughs> I did, Jack. Well, isn't that beautiful? Look how pretty the lights are. Oh, Dennis. Yes, Mr. Benny? Now that the tree is lit up and the boys here in the hospital are waiting to hear you sing, would you like to do some Christmas carols? I sure would, Mr. Benny. All right, go ahead.
Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of my sponsor and my entire staff, I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Transcribe, this is the PBS Radio Like, there was a lot of flubs on that show, huh? Uh, there was a lot of ad-libs. And yeah. And actually Mary, sounded like they were laughing for real. They were. Mary they really flubbed her line. And then, and then he, uh, Jack gave her a hard time about it. And then he flubbed the line. Yeah, but then he sort of, you know, he made some comment about, you know, I what did he say? Something. Uh, I, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm I worse did, than you are. I did or worse something. than Mary. Yeah, it was great. Rochester. 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 Um, Jack Benny program, December 21st, 1952, their Christmas show from Long Beach Veterans Hospital and all the gang there. And yes, Mel Blank was the voice of Barney Rubble. Someone texted and said, I thought I heard Barney Rubble in there. Well, and you did. You did because Mel Blank played that part. Uh, Bob Crosby on there, Dennis Day singing. Great job. Uh, Don Wilson doing the announcing for this CBS radio broadcast. Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. I will be listening because I'm a huge Sinatra fan. Well, I'm a Dave Player fan. Well, of course. And I'm a Sinatra fan, but um, I might have to check out the podcast because by the time we get to bed, it'll be after 4, and his show starts at 6.30 a.m. May not be the best time for us. Starts at 6.30, 6.30, and we get home around 4, so... Might be a little that might rough, be tough, Dave. but you know what? There's a podcast, yeah, so podcast. we're going to check that out. Yeah, but maybe uh, I might set my alarm this morning, though. We don't even think I'll have a chance I mean, to go to sleep show. before you listen. I mean, Dave would set an alarm and listen to our debut show. Don't I you think? think so. So I'm going to set the alarm and listen. All right. Well, you I should let me it. know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about it. I, I, I can't wait too. because first of all, Dave is a pro. He's, you know, sure he's, he's an a, absolute pro. He's great. And he knows the genre and he knows all about Sinatra. I mean, he's, 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 he's the great. perfect guy for it. I agree. And not only so, that, he has interviewed so many people that knew Sinatra. And he's so, going to make it a great he's gonna show. Be, it's going to be really, really good. Yep. So I'll be listening at 630. Well, I'm, I'm going to check out the podcast at maybe around noon. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's about the time you'll get up, huh? Yep. <laughs> Uh, so we have a few minutes. Uh, did something? I wanna... was gonna. So, did you hear all the hype about the Peloton commercial this week? Peloton, yeah, I have one. Do you know I have a Peloton? Did you, you know that? You do? Yes, I use it every single day. Do you have a ninety-pound wife use who it, uses it as no, well? No, <laughs> I use it every single day. I hang my jacket on it. Oh. Look at that makes no, sense. No, I really don't have one. I don't have oh. my I don't have my um, rim shot here. They took oh, it. Otherwise. The whole sound effects thing oh, is gone. Oh no! Yeah. So hang I, on a second. I hang my jacket on it. How's that? That was great. That was an excellent. Well, you're good at some things. <laughs> no, no, in in, in <laughs> you know, all seriousness, I do not have one. Okay. I would actually like one. I would too. Yeah. Yeah, I would like one. I don't understand. Maybe people don't know what it is. Want to explain what it is it's first of all? A, it's an exercise. Machine. Well, it's a. It's like a. Exercise bike. Bike, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't understand all of the uh, people who are so hyped up about the commercial and people who are very offended by the commercial mm-hmm. uh, because uh, what they're saying is there's a very, very skinny woman who certainly does not need to lose weight and the husband gives her this as a gift <laughs> and they're all up in arms because they think that it's insensitive of a husband to give her a gift that the undertones are that she needs to lose weight when she's she's very 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 thin then already um, but i don't look at it that way honestly mm-hmm. i mean i think fitness could just be a way of life and it doesn't necessarily mean she's trying to lose weight simply because she wants to work out but the more interesting part about this whole commercial is what what broke out 
today or I guess yesterday. Did you hear? Mm-mm. Okay, so they took this actress uh, for a gin commercial. Did you see that? No, wait, they did what? There's a new commercial that came out yesterday for a, a brand of gin. Oh, gin. Gin, okay. G-I-N. Because you're a Roma Wines fan. Right, so. right. I don't know anything gin. about like, gin. What? They've got her sitting in a bar. Same girl? Same girl. Same they actress. hired this actress mm-hmm. sitting in a bar with two girls drinking her gin, mm-hmm. basically um, saying, looking like she's uh, not with her husband anymore, either separate or divorced, and they're here <laughs> for her because maybe she's come to realization that that's not a good guy. So they took the concept oh and gosh. moved it on to the their commercial, but the the very uh, smart part about that whole thing is that um, they're getting a whole lot of PR and conversation oh, yeah. about it. So well, we're talking very about smart it. move, right? Across the country, across here, the 40 country, plus we're states. talking about the Peloton. This commercial. station reaches forty plus states, parts of Mexico, parts of Canada, and uh, and so we're talking about it. But they've been talking about it on every news station. They sure have. So, so they did something right because it's all over the news. Here's my so. take on it. So you were like. What I'm Here's not, the thing. I'm not offended there, by. I don't it think there's anything wrong with the commercial at all. I don't either. I think what happens is people see, you know, people want to complain about something, right? And they complained about this, and then it just caught on. It was like a, you know, it, it went viral. I I think that people are very sensitive in this day and age, and they need to chill. But out. I will <laughs> say this: I will say there is one thing that did look a little weird in the commercial. Yes. She looks like she's like in pain on the Peloton. What is it called? <laughs> What's this thing called? Peloton. Peloton. She actually is looking at the camera. She's like, like she's, gr- she's grimacing. Out. Yeah, it just that was a little weird to me. But I, don't I don't have a that. problem with that. You know, I will share with you something a listener said. Um, he he or she just said that Dave said there would be no podcast due to music rights issues. Now oh, I did not know that. So there's no podcast. So you better set your alarm. Wow! Thank you for letting me know. That so was don't miss Dave's three zero one area code. Thank you know you. Sinatra show. I didn't know that. Yeah. Don't all right. I'm well, my alarm. you know what? Set your alarm. Stay up and check it out. I'm pretty sure we're we'll all give you an update. Enjoy that. Give, <laughs> give me you an update. update. I'll, I'll check out number two. <laughs> you check out number one. <laughs> so, in the next two hours, we are going to play an hour long Lux Radio Theater. I'm excited about this because um, we're going to do this the next few weeks. So we're going to play hour long Christmas movies on radio. Right. That's right. what this was. That's what Lux, Lux Radio is. Theater was like. They they did movies on radio. You could do it. Stan Freeberg proved something years and years ago. He had a commercial or a PSA. It was a public service announcement where he built this gigantic Sunday. And people may remember this, but so he built this enormous Sunday, like, like, you know, with it, with, you know, cranes and all this thing, you know, it was all done on radio and they built it in, like, built it in a, in a moat, you know, like in a river and a giant Sunday, put a huge cherry on top and the whole thing. And it was very powerful because it was the theater of the mind. You saw it happening, right? Right, sure. And then he said, Try doing that on television. That's right. right? So it, his whole point was you could yeah. do anything right. on radio, and that's why these that's, shows that, that's what we talk are about so all powerful. The time. And so you could take a movie, any movie, absolutely any movie, and you could dramatize it on radio. It could be a war movie. It could be a science fiction movie. It could be anything, and you can do it on radio. And that's why I wanted to turn the Twilight Zone television series yep. into a radio drama series years ago. Because that worked really well. I always felt all of those pl- 
planets that you were flying yep. off to and all this yep. stuff on Twilight Zone. You could do it on radio and you could do it better. Yep. Do it better on radio. And I love that your vision is different than my vision. Yeah. Because, of course, mine's right. Well, mine's 2020. <laughs> mine's better than yours. <laughs> so in the next uh, hour... And uh, actually, the next two hours, we right. will play uh, in two parts. We'll play a half hour in each hour of uh, Christmas in July on the Lux Radio Theater. So stay with us here on the WGN Radio Theater. I promise I will not bring Speedos to that cruise. Oh, gee, I August. was hoping that you would wear your Speedos. No, nobody wants to see me in my Speedos. Oh, yeah. Trust I think we all do. One. We all do. I'm going to wear very modest, uh, like down to the knee some Bermudas ba- for Bermuda. Bermuda? Yeah. Ah, that's what ah. I have. I have two bathing suits. They are down to the knee. All right. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's most important. We are going to Bermuda on an Oceana cruise, August 1st of 2020. And Oceana is a really good line. Oceana is a luxury cruise line. We're going to have a not just a regular luxury cruise to Bermuda, but a classic radio cruise. But the most important thing to know about this cruise is Carl will be wearing his Bermudas. Yes, I ah. will. <laughs> yes, I will. And you'll be wearing your floppy sun hat. Because right. you're not, Lisa does not want sun to touch her skin. <laughs> a little she bit's doesn't okay. I just want, don't want to burn. I yeah. just have really. You burn quickly? Burnable skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. And um, so a lot of the people, Lisa, going on this cruise, a lot of, I saw the manifest, a lot of the people that are going are from the Chicago area. Right. Well, they listen to WGN. Yeah. There's quite a lot of people from the Chicago mm-hmm. area. We hope you'll still join us. There's plenty of rooms available, but they do fill up fast. We have one block of rooms. Yep. Um, and we hope that you will be with us. You can explore Bermuda and go on some explorations. You can hang back on the ship and enjoy the fitness center and the spa and the lounges and the bars and the casinos and the pool. pool said pool jinx um or you can just enjoy some classic radio fun and some cocktail parties whatever's right for you we hope you'll join us you can check it out we are working with keen luxury travel their phone number is 800-856-1155 you know what you're going to go on a vacation next year folks so Come with us. If you're going to go on vacation anyway, go on a cruise with Lisa and me. This is a really special way to take a vacation because you really have the opportunity to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ship and the sun, or you can be as active as you want to. So it really has a lot of opportunities for every uh, different age group. We want to get to know our listeners better, and we want our listeners to get to know us better. And I'll tell you one way you learn about people, travel with them. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> travel with them. We're going to learn a lot about each other, Carl. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. So, uh, you know, all you got to do to learn all about this is go to our website, WGNRadioTheater.com. Scroll down, and there's a uh, cruise banner. You can click that, and it'll take you to the page and all of the, you know, the whole yep. shooting matches there. Or, again, give them a call. They'll answer all your questions. Call, you can sign um, up with them. on Monday. Yep, give them a call, 800-856-1155. They can walk you all through it and answer all your questions. Um, so, uh, yeah, book it, because we'd love you to be on this book uh, cruise. Book it, Dano. Book it, Dano. All right, we're going to play our game, right? Yes, we are. Guess that song. We're on 1961, hopefully. You know, if Carl knows the songs, then I chose well. And if Carl doesn't know the songs, then clearly I am a failure. So we are... No, you're not a failure. <laughs> just, uh, just what? You just didn't pick the right song. There you go. Yeah. So let's... 
go with caller number three. Call right now, 312-981-7200. We're going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weather Makers. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Guess that song. Hi, Peggy. Do we have Peggy on the phone? Yep. Hi, how are you? Well... Percolating along? <laughs> How are you? She's percolating. <laughs> are you percolating some coffee? <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell House, always good to the, to the last, last drop. Right. You can stay up late go. with us and uh, win a prize and uh, play a little Guess That Song. We're on 1961. I feel really good about these songs, right. even though Carl's giving me a complex. So okay. let's start with the first song right now. You know that one? I have one? no idea what that is. Well, it's 1961. It's not. It's not easy. Peggy, do you know it? Could you repeat it? I can't. No. <laughs> so sorry. I'll well, give you a clue. It's the Marcells. Does that help you at all? No. Blue Moon. Yes. It's Blue, Blue Moon. It is. Let's play it. She got it. Hey, you know what movie this was in? A lot of movies. Grease. Yes, it was. You know what? The, the, the record sold over one million copies and is featured in the Rock and Roll one Hall of million Fame. 500 songs copies. that shaped rock and roll. Wow. Yay, Peggy. go Peggy. Great job. All right, we've got a second song. Here it is. It's from 1 to 92. I know who that is. I know. You know who, yeah. Peggy, you know that one? Well, it's Nat King Cole. Yes. yes. Um, let's see. Although it's been said many times. There he is. Merry Christmas to you. There she got two out of two. Wow, let's hear Peggy it. is amazing. It's from one to Although it's been said many times. Who sings better, me or Nat King Cole? Let me hear. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's a it's a tough race. So this is Nat King Who's Cole. Who's better, me or Michael Bublé? Oh, <laughs> I know I couldn't possibly decide. So this is the Christmas song, which is commonly subtitled "Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire" or "Merry Christmas to You," classic Christmas song written in 1945. Wow! Um, but uh, famous in 1961. Congratulations, Peggy! Fantastic job! You have won the desktop indoor weather station, brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. They are the 60 Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Thank you so much for staying up late and percolating with us. Yes, right. <laughs> well, you know, I've always wanted to get something from American Weathermakers. It's really been, I've heard great things about them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, who are these people anyway? You know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> is it really as great as they say? You know, and I'm thinking. Well, well I, I do have my weather out. station, and I love it. So I hope you enjoy it, too. Thank Thanks, you Peggy. Very much. Thank I really you, Peggy. Appreciate it. Take care, hon. All right, she's a big winner, and uh, we have a text in line, 312-981-7200. Give us a text. We love getting your text, but right now we have to uh, start Lux Radio Theater. We're going to play this hour-long 
production in two parts, two half-hour parts. And it is Christmas in July, starring Dick Powell and Linda Darnell. The uh, The host is Lionel Barrymore. He's the guest host. I guess um, Cecil B. DeMille was maybe filming a movie or something like that. So let's tune this in in two parts. Here's part one now of the Lux Radio Theater. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Dick Powell and Linda Darnell in Christmas in July with Raymond Walburn. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Lionel Barrymore. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. If you're wondering what's happened to my young friend, Cecil B. DeMille, but don't worry, he'll be back next week. This week, he's in Chicago for an opening of the story of Dr. Wassell, and he's trusted me with the keys to the Lux Radio Theater. I happen to have a week off at Metro-Golden-Mare, where they're celebrating 20 years of making pictures by presenting a fine new production called The White Cliffs of Dover. Before C.B. left, he'd arranged for a play and a cast, which I'm sure you're going to like, and which has been a pleasure for me to work with. It's the Paramount hit Christmas in July, and the stars are two favorites of yours and mine, Dick Powell and Linda Darnell. Naturally, boy meets girl in this story, but from there on, Mr. Preston Sturgis, who wrote and directed the picture, has a brand new idea which will give you a few surprises before the hour is over. And now, let's go back a few years to a time when hearts were young and gay, and a certain boy and girl discovered Christmas in July. Here's the curtain for the first act, starring Dick Powell as Jimmy and Linda Darnell as Betty, with Raymond Walburn as Maxford. Five months ago, the Maxford House Coffee Company offered a $25,000 first prize for the best Maxford House coffee slogan. And in three minutes, over the Maxford House Coast to Coast radio program, the winner's name is scheduled to be announced. But something that even Dr. Maxford himself could not foresee has happened. After plowing through a million entries, the bleary-eyed and weary juries hopelessly deadlocked, and now into their hushed and solemn precincts, Dr. Maxford descends with all the graciousness of a blockbuster. And I don't care what you think about it. I'm not going to... Quiet! Quiet! That's what I'm not going to... Quiet! What's all this hogwash about a deadlock? Where's the verdict? Answer my question, you idiots! Don't ask us. Ask Bill Docker. He's been holding out all day. I'll hold out forever. A bunch of fat-headed, mealy-mouthed, lame brains. Why, I wouldn't agree to a thing like that. Quiet! Quiet! Don't you know that our program is on the air? Don't you know that the whole of America is waiting for your verdict? That you're giving heart failure to the Western Hemisphere? What do you know about picking slogans anyway? Why, you wouldn't know a slogan if you slipped on one. If you gentlemen had the combined brains of a glowworm... But we're all agreed, Doctor. That is all except the brilliant Mr. Bildocker. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Bildocker. I'm giving you just four seconds flat to get in line. Oh, no, you're not. I'm a member of this jury, and I'm going to vote the way I think is right if it takes ten years. I'm giving my services free to a bunch of suckers who fell for a lot of dribble that don't amount... Hello? Oh, we are, are we? Well, that's just lovely. 
The Maxwell House program is signing off the air, gentlemen, so just take your time. You can stay here till next Wednesday for all I care, or you can stay here till Hoboken freezes over. You have failed in our promise to the public. We have muffed the most dramatic advertising moment in the annals of commerce, and you made a fat head out of me. The next nitwit who takes talks to me about a contest had better duck before I swing on him. And in conclusion, gentlemen, and especially you, Mr. Bill Docker, let me say that I have seen far, far better heads on a glass of beer. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we bring to a close the 449th Maxford House program. I wish I could have given you the winner's name, but I'm afraid it'll have to wait until next Wednesday. But after all, like the prisoner said when the hangman couldn't find the rope, no nooses, good news. Ah, <laughs> uh, turn it off, Betty. You all oh, may as well. How do you like that? To build you up to a big finish and then leave you hanging on a meat hook. Come on, I'll walk down with you. Oh, let's stay here and talk, Jimmy. It's so hot. That's uh, a great way to spend an evening. Sitting on the roof of a broken-down apartment house because I don't have the dough to do anything else. Oh, now, that's not so. It's cool up here. Besides, you wouldn't have missed listening to Maxford House for anything. A lot of good it did me. I wish they'd get that contest over one way or another. You start thinking about that $25,000. Or even the second prize at $10,000. Or even anything. You said it. And then when you've practically got it right in your mitts... They'll leave you there with your tongue hanging out. Oh, did you really think you were going to win it, Jimmy? I haven't lost it yet, have I? Oh, how many contests have you lost? Well, never mind. But every time I've lost one, I've doubled my chances on the next. It's what you call the law of averages. Like when I lost on how many peanuts are there in this window. Well, that doubled my chances on the you fill in the missing words contest. But you lost that one, too. So I was eight to one when I went into the limerick contest. But you didn't win it, Jimmy. Well, that's what makes it such a sense this time. Can't you just see it over there on Broadway? A great big electric sign. A guy swallows his coffee and it says, if you don't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. You gotta admit, that's some slogan. Uh-huh. Well, do you get the point? Do you understand what it means? Yes. Well, it's as clear as crystal. It isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. If you don't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee that keeps you awake, it's the bunk. I know what it says. I, I just don't understand it. Well, a kid or two could understand it. That Viennese doctor in the Sunday paper, he said that old idea is just a superstition. Instead of keeping you awake, coffee makes you sleep. Now, that's simple enough, isn't it? Coffee makes you sleep. It doesn't make me sleep. Well, he says it makes you sleep. He's a Viennese doctor. Jimmy, coffee keeps you awake. That's a well-known fact. Why are you so pig-headed I about it? I tell you, it's a new scientific theory. People only think coffee keeps them awake. Those kind of people are nervous wrecks and couldn't sleep anyway. So I say, if you don't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee. It's the bunk. Do you get it? I guess so. You guess so? What does it mean? It's the bunk. Yes. But do you get the play on words? Oh, Jimmy, you don't need a play on words. Anytime anybody tells you that coffee makes you sleep, you don't need a play on words to know it's the bunk. Don't you understand? Don't you understand? It's funny. It means if you don't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee that keeps you awake. It's the bunk. <laughs> the bed. The bed. With me, it's the coffee. Oh. Oh, Jimmy, you know I want you to win. I'm just as anxious as you are. And, gee, when you lose this one, just think how much better your chances are on the next one. Uh, fine chance anybody's got to win again anything if everybody going around saying coffee keeps you awake. All right, all right. Let's go downstairs and drink a gallon of coffee and see which one sleeps the longest. Oh, shut up. Jimmy! Yes, Mom? Mrs. Zimmerman says, will you please not talk so loud? He's trying to go to sleep. Oh, tell him to drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> and don't take hold up there. All right, Mom. 
Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, you know, I'd like you just as much if you didn't win the old contest. Ah, that's because you're a sap. I am not a sap. Nix. Two can live cheaply as one, you know. Who wants to live cheaply? (laughs) Jimmy, what would you do if you won the $25,000? Stick in the bank. Wouldn't you even buy a little ring or something? Oh, what's the use of talking about it, honey? You know I'd spend it all on you and Mom. I'd get you a big, shiny car and a swell apartment. Anything you wanted. Well, we'd be happy, all right. Oh, we could be happy anyway. When you say that, you just make me mad. Now, look at my own mother. She's never been to the country for more than one day, never had any nice furniture. The dream of her life is a Davenport that turns into a double bed at night with a crank. <laughs> she's never had a decent dress except what she's made herself, and my old man... Hmm. Worn out at 48 and died because he couldn't afford a decent doctor. So I earn $26 a week and you want to get married. And I earn 18 and that makes 44. Sure, sure. And you've got your ma and I've got mine. And then we have a baby and you have to stop work and we're right back at the same old 26 again. <laughs> Except then there's you and the kid and the two old ladies. Oh, but Jimmy, don't... Nix, honey, Nix. They didn't give you wrists like that and hands like that to spoil them scrubbing floors for a dope like me. A man's got to look out for himself in this whole world. And a girl's got to do the same instead of fooling away her time on a guy like me. Unless he crashes through. Oh, you make me tired. Then go to bed. Well, that's a nice thing to say. You invite a girl over to your roof and, and then yell at her. Listen, if I wanted to be insulted, I could have gone out with a credit manager. Who's stopping you? Well, thank you very much. It's very nice to know just where I stand. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Well, maybe I will go out with a credit manager. Good night. Uh, wait a minute. I'll help you with that skylight. Kindly let go of my arm and mind your own business. Oh, shut up. Why don't you shut up? Why don't you both shut up? (laughs) Wise guy. Now, don't fall down the ladder. I've been down the ladder before. You fell down it before, too. Good night. Yeah. See you at the office. Aren't you going to take me? Hmm? Well, okay. Good night, Jimmy. Good night, honey. Good night, darling. Good night, darling. Good night! Hey, hey, Charlie. Yeah? I gotta go out in the hall to phone. Tip me off if the boss comes in, will you? Yeah. Well, you got a phone. Oh, the Maxford House Coffee Company. Maybe they picked the winner of that slogan contest by now. Oh, go ahead, Jimmy. If I see Waterbury, I'll warn you. Thanks. I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, Al, get a load of that. I wonder what one of those suckers would do if they ever did win anything. Well, it's very easy to find out. Huh? All you need is a telegram blank, some scissors, and some glue. You type it out, cut it in strips, and glue it in the blank. Holy mackerel. You mean like a gag? We work this gag on Jimmy? Sure. We'll pick up a telegram blank at lunchtime, leave it on his desk. He'll think he won 25,000 bucks. Oh, brother. Well, you see his kiss when he reads it. We are happy to inform you that you have won the Maxford House Coffee Contest. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and uh, I was just wondering if the jury has reached a verdict yet on the contest. Oh, they haven't? Oh, in a minute, huh? Well, thanks a lot. Goodbye. Ah, I gotta win it. I gotta. You, uh, sent for me, Mr. Waterbury? Close the door, MacDonald. You had a good lunch, MacDonald? About the same as always. Nothing I... wrong with your appetite. You feel well. Why, sure. I, I feel fine, Mr. Waterbury. I've been watching you for some time, MacDonald. Yes, sir. It used to make me kind of nervous. Not nervous anymore? Oh, no, sir. Look at this. Your morning worksheet. The comptometer you operate is almost foolproof, MacDonald. 
Yet you managed to miss your total by a little matter of $11,000. Mm. To what do you attribute this? I, uh, I, I don't know, Mr. Waterbury. Have you troubles at home, then? You play the races? Or are you simply incapable of doing your work? Well, I... Oh, I, I guess it's the contest, Mr. Waterbury. The Maxford House contest. It's been on my mind. I had no idea it was hurting my work. Oh, and how much is the prize? The first prize, $25,000. Ah, yes. I used to think about $25,000. And then one day I realized I would never have $25,000. And then suddenly another day, considerably later on in life, I realized something else. I may not be a rich man, but I'm not a failure either. Ambition is all right if it works, but no system could be right where only half of 1% were successes and all the rest were failures. No, I'm not a failure. I'm a success. And so are you. If you earn your own living and pay your own bills and look the world in the eye, I hope you win your $25,000, Mr. MacDonald. But if you shouldn't happen to, don't worry about it. Now get the heck back to your desk and try to improve your arithmetic. Yes, sir, Mr. Waterbury. Gosh, thanks a lot. That's all right. Hey. Hey, what's this? What's what? Well, this... This telegram. You got me. Kid just brought it in. What's it say? Huh? Wow. Wow. Betty. Betty, Betty, come here. Everybody come here. Honey, honey, quick. Everybody, come here. This telegram. Wow. Boys and girls, there comes a time in everybody's life when you just got to climb up on your desk and let her rip. Yippee. Hold on, everybody. I've just won the $25,000 Maxford House contest. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, McDonald, that's wonderful. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Look, do you think I could use the company phone for just one call? Help yourself. Thanks, thanks. Hello? Hello? Oh, Astoria 55970. This is really going to be good. <laughs> that's where he lives. Hello? Hey, uh, oh, Mr. Schwartz, I hate to bother you, but could I talk to my mother a minute? Yes, it's very important. Thank you, Mr. Schwartz. I'll let you use my phone all you like when I get one. That's the neighbor. She's calling my mother. <laughs> hey, shh, shh, quiet now, quiet, quiet. Shh, quiet, everybody. Hello, Mom. Mom. Now, don't get scared. No, of course I'm not hurt. Mom, listen, listen. Are you a rich woman or a poor woman? No, I'm not crazy with the heat, Mom. Look. Mom, you can go out and buy yourself anything you want. New furniture, automobiles, new dresses. Oh, the electric washer. Yeah, yeah, the electric washer. You know the one you like, the green one? It's yours, Mom. Hey, Charlie. Yeah, this ain't so good. Yeah, and the Davenport, the one that turns into the double bed with the crank. It's yours, it's all yours, and anything else you want. Listen, guys, this is going to cost us one Davenport. I'll tell the world I got a raise. And how he got a raise. Look, we just got to put him out of his misery. Yeah, some gag. I didn't know he'd go nuts like this. Hey, look who's coming, Mr. Baxter. <laughs> yes, everything's wonderful, Ma. I'll... Well, I'll call you back, honey. What's going on around here? What is this, football game? What are you doing up on that desk? Never mind what you're doing, you're fired. What's your name? James McDonald, sir, and this is my fiancée, Miss Casey. I'll let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> uh... Well, what's so funny? What is it? Waterbury, where are you? I demand an explanation. Mr. Baxter, I really see no point in firing this lady. If anyone ought to be fired around here, it's me. Never mind the noble gestures. I'll decide what's what around here. Waterbury. Wait a minute. You don't understand what's happened, Mr. Baxter. These children are part of your family, your business family. And anything that happens to them happens to you. This young man you fired has just won the $25,000 Maxwell House slogan contest. And in my opinion, that's ample reason for this... Uh, Demonstration. Well, I should say it is. Congratulations, young man. Thanks. Now I suppose I'll have to hire you back at a fat increase. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always liked it here, Mr. Baxter, but a little raise would come in handy. And you really won the Maxford contest, eh? Here's a telegram. And what was your slogan? Oh, 
If you don't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. Well, it's a, it's a play on words. It means if you don't but sleep... But coffee at... keeps you awake. I know. Yeah, but don't you see this, this Vinnie Sidus? He it's says a that... very clever slogan, just the same. It isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. Excellent for the entire industry. Uh, you didn't happen to get any ideas for Baxter and Son while you were inventing slogans for our competitors, did you? You know, we make coffee, too. I certainly did, Mr. Baxter. I've been trying to give ideas to the advertising department ever since first came here, but they won't listen to me. Well, how would you like to come into my office and tell me a few of these ideas? Yes, sir. I'll, I'll wait here for you, Jim. Oh, no, no, no. You come, too, my dear. My, my. 25,000 smackers. <laughs> Well, you see, Mr. Baxter, Mr. Jenkins, Mr. Babcock, I, I tried to find a slogan for Baxter's coffee, too. One that would imply that Baxter's was the finest coffee made. The aristocrat of coffees. Aristocrat? Babcock, revise your thinking. Aristocrat? Oh, no, no, that's been used too much. Oh. And uh, what is your slogan for Baxter's, Jimmy? Baxter's, the blue blood coffee. It's bread and the bean. Uh. <laughs> uh. Jenkins... What's your reaction to that? Hmm. I'm mulling it over, Chief. The blue blood coffee. It's bread in the bean. That's it. Bread in the bean. It's wonderful. It is? I mean, it is. I can see it all over the nation. Jimmy, you're a genius. Thank you. And, uh, and now that you're a capitalist, I don't know how you'd feel about working for a living. But if you'd care to have a little office here... Oh, you mean all to himself, with his name on the door? Naturally, and with you as his oh. secretary, and of course, a reasonable increase in salary. I see no reason why we shouldn't shake hands on it now. Oh, Jimmy, quick, shake his hand. Sure, well, gee, gee, Mr. Baxter, thank you. That's swell, that's fine. I, I just don't know what to say. Well, I think you've said quite enough, my boy. Now, why don't you take the afternoon off while we get an office ready for you? I'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, do you suppose Betty could come along, too? Why, of course she can. And the little bird tells me just where you'll be headed for. Some little jewelry store, I'll wager, huh? <laughs> well, I guess you're not very far along, Mr. Baxter. But first of all, I think I'll go over to Maxford House and pick up that little check. Oh, yes, we'd almost forgotten about that, hadn't we? Oh, not me. I hadn't. Huh. Uh, what was your slogan for Maxford again? It isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. Isn't that marvelous? It isn't the coffee, it's But, the... uh, but, uh, it's bread in the bean. That's the one for my money. Functional. Precisely. Well, I don't know how to thank you all. Well, goodbye. Uh, goodbye. And thank you goodbye. again, Mr. Baxter. <laughs> oh, not at all. I had my eye on that boy for some time. A big future. Immense. Jimmy. Hey, hey, wait a second, Jimmy. Hi, Harry. What's on your mind? Need a few bucks? Oh, hello, buddy. Jimmy, uh... Could I talk to you for a second, alone? Uh, could you beg it tomorrow, Harry? Gosh, we got to go over and pick up that check. They, they might think we weren't grateful or something. But that's just what I want to talk to you about. You see, Charlie and Al and I, we... Oh, uh... Uh, McDonald. Yes, sir? Uh, was that it's bread in the bean or just bread in the bean? Oh, it's, Mr. Baxter. You see, just bread in the bean might sound like bread in the bean. I'll fix that one. <laughs> might sound like bread and butter or something like that. Yes. <laughs> Yes, naturally. I don't know why I didn't realize that. Is that all, sir? Of course. Uh, have a nice time and don't spend all your money. We won't. Well, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Ah, great mind. Oh, did you wish to speak to me, Petty Pass? Uh, who, me? Oh, no, sir. I just watching them go out. Well, well, it's been quite an exciting day, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
And it ain't hardly even begun yet. Two of Christmas in July, starring Dick Powell as Jimmy and Linda Darnell as Betty, with Raymond Walburn as Maxford. It's 45 minutes later, and blissfully unaware that they're victims of a practical joke, Jimmy and Betty are waiting in the reception room of the Maxford House Coffee Company. And the office of the president, Dr. Maxford, is percolating furiously to the announcer of his radio program. Contest! Con- what good are contests anyway? Why, they make you a million enemies. And all, you- all they prove is that you've got too much money in the first place. Since you can't afford to toss a large chunk of it to some sap who probably never had a cup of your coffee in his life, but exists on goat's milk. Oh, it's deplorable, Doctor. Has the jury reached a verdict yet? I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, Well, maybe if they could hold off until our next broadcast. Oh, no, no, that would be the intelligent thing to do. That would be useful to the company that feeds and clothes them and sends their children to college so that they can grow up to be dumbbells like their parents. Well, well, what what do you want? The contest winner's here, Dr. Maxford. All right, bring him in. Yes, sir. Well, how do you like that? Then they've reached a decision. How do I know? I'm only the president. Why should that jury of imbeciles bother to tell me anything? I'll have their heads for this. Why, I'll... I'll, Well, come in. Well, how do you do, sir? I suppose I have the honor of addressing Dr. Maxford, I presume. Yes, and this is Don Harper, our announcer. And this is my fiancée, Miss Casey. Well, it's certainly a pleasure meeting you. How how do you do? Congratulations. Thanks. Here's the telegram, Dr. Maxford. Yes? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Great pleasure to inform you. Uh, $25,000. Kindly call and pick up your check. Oh, you are my... uh, You aren't by any chance a coffee drinker, are you? Yes, sir. I certainly am. Well, that's surprising. You don't by any chance drink my coffee, do you? Well, no, sir. Uh, You see, we're both employed over at... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that sounds more natural. But we could easily change. Sure. I think it would only be fair. Oh, don't bother, Mr. McDonald. I wouldn't want anybody to think that I had any base commercial motives in all this. Uh, I just... uh, I just give my money away because I can't sleep at night. I have a guilty conscience. But that's my slogan. That's the one I won with. Oh, well, I guess you know all about that. A guilty conscience, eh? I can see that my money is well spent. That is a wonderful slogan. Oh, no, sir. Uh, the slogan is, if you can't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. I beg your pardon? It's a... <laughs> it's a pun. It certainly is. Why, I, I can hardly wait to give you my money. Miss Slidewell. Yes, sir. Bring me that contest check. I don't know whether you've ever had anything like this happen to you, Doctor. But to be poor and unknown one minute and sitting on top of the world the next minute, that's a feeling nobody can ever take away from me. Oh, but it's more than that. It's the knowledge that Jimmy won this contest because he thought up a better slogan than anyone else. You see, I used to think I had good ideas and that I'd get somewhere in the world, but, well, now I know it. And that's what I want to thank you for, Dr. Maxford, even more than the money. Here's the check, Dr. Maxford. Uh, How do you spell your name, young man? Is it M-C or M-A-C? M-A-C, sir. James MacDonald. You know, it's it's customary under these circumstances to have a few photographers present or even a microphone or reporter. But since we do everything here on a highly non-commercial basis, I merely take pleasure in giving you this small check written out with my heart's blood, and that's all there is to it here. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Maxford. I don't know how I could ever find words to... Never mind them. Just uh, goodbye and good luck. Oh, Jimmy, just look at it. Just look. Oh, boy. 
Now, Miss Slidewell, get me Bill Docker. I tried to, sir. When I got the check, he isn't in his office. Well, where is he? Down in the lobby of the yo-yo? <laughs> you find him and tell him. Oh, never mind. I'll find him myself. When I... It isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. Jumping Jerusalem! <laughs> You know what? We could get everything here, the ring and everything, all in this one store. Uh-huh. Can I help you? Oh, that, that diamond ring there in the showcase. Oh, it's so beautiful, Jimmy. Holy smoke, I should say so. But here's a ring of more practical dimensions. Fiery little devil, isn't it? Does a magnifying glass come with it? I was only trying to be helpful, that's all. Mm. It's immaterial to me how big a stone you look at. Ah, uh, fresh guy. Here, what do you think of this, for instance? Boy, how much is that one? $12,000. We wouldn't care to spend that much. No, that's what I thought. But I could have felt like it. Oh, you could? Well, that puts everything on an entirely different basis. Now, let me see. Oh, Jimmy, I'm in love with that one. There in the case. Ah, yes. Well, there's no denying it's a lovely little rock. Well, then I guess we'll take it. Yes, sir. Of course, I haven't got the cash with me, Uh but I I got a check here. And uh, may I see the check? Sure. Oh, he just won the Maxford House contest. See, isn't it wonderful? Well, I'll be... Mr. Schmidt! Mr. Schmidt! Oh, for heaven's sake, congratulations. I might say 25,000 congratulations. <laughs> yes. Mr. Schmidt, kindly cut a groove, will you? Now, if you'll watch closely, I merely remove the two cushions, press the button mark night, and with one easy push of the finger, it changes into a double bed. Comes morning, a turn of the crank, and presto. It assumes the characteristics of the finest Davenport money can buy. It's called the Davenola, Mr. McDonald. Price? One ninety-eight fifty uh, plus tax. We'll take it. What a bargain you're getting! <laughs> I beg your pardon. Oh, this is Mr. Schindel, the owner of the establishment. Congratulations, and the check is good. I just phoned the Maxwell Company. Mm. Well, how, how soon do you think you could send the Davenol? Mrs. McDonald's been waiting for years. It's there already. Make it a special, Hillbanger. Do you suppose your mother would like one? Oh, oh no, thank you, Jimmy. We haven't got room. Well, we got to get us something. We got to get everybody something. Well, say, Mom's been wanting a new iron for a long time. She's got it. Compliments of shindles. Free, she's got it. <laughs> Betty, we got. We got to get something for Mrs. Schwartz and a doll for Sophie. And oh, yeah. Then there's old Mr. Zimmerman and the Casey kids. Oh, and... but, Jimmy, we've spent so much, honey. I mean, the ring and the silver fox jacket and... Nonsense. The, the Finnegan kids and Patrol and Goldstein. Well, Tony Marzeppo. And Mr. Romanoff. Look, you just better work up one side of the street and down the other. Wonderful. Okay, Mr. Schindel, where's the toy department? All right, that is the first half of this hour-long Lux Radio Theater presentation of Christmas in July from June 25th, 1944, starring Dick Powell and Linda Darnell with Lionel Barrymore as our host. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. First, these words. Don't forget, folks, if you uh, shop at Woodman's, make sure that you don't throw out your Woodman's receipt. So go shopping at Woodman's, buy all kinds of great food, and stock up like I did uh, yesterday, because today's already Sunday. I did it Saturday. I stocked up. I got a Woodman's cart, those huge carts they have You're kind of into the big cart thing. Like the big cart, because, I, you know, at another, ju- uh, you know, another place, right? <laughs> at another Grocer- jewel place? <laughs> grocery store. <laughs> what happens is the carts are small. They're too small They're for too you? They're too small. But anyway, Woodman's has huge carts. You can load them up. 
and then you save you tons of money. Carts. You get more food, and you and you pay less money, and then you get classic radio shows. Well, Twelve classic radio shows. I like Woodman's too. By by sending in a picture of your Woodman's receipt, take a picture of it, email it to Woodman's WGN at Gmail dot com. And you'll get twelve classic radio shows, and we change the shows every twelve, uh, every uh, every twelve months, <laughs> every every month. So you can, that's a lot of shows. Think about that. If you went to Woodman's once a month, right? Right, which is about right. Once a month, I, I stock. Well, that's up. why you fill up your card because you yeah. go once a month. I no, nah, I, actually, I go more than once a month. That's just not. I enough. probably go like every three weeks. Are you kidding? Yeah, I buy two giant gallons of milk. You know, fat-free milk. Yeah, but they don't last two weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, yeah. I mean. Takes, no, they don't. Well, it's just me and my son. I mean. Well, I have to go much more often because well, got, I like to get fresh fruits you, and you, fresh You have vegetables. like 14 kids. No, you get fresh meats and fresh turkey. And, I mean, you and Dan needed a hobby back then. You have like, <laughs> how many kids do you have? 14, oh, it's 15, it's really hard to keep 16? track, you know. No, Lisa has four kids and a dog. That's true. I'm so going to get a dog. Like I'm going to get a dog. And you're going to name him Harlow. Harlow. If you it's better a, name him Harlow. If it's a boy girl. dog, if it's a boy dog, I'm going to name him Harlow. And if it's a girl dog, you're going to name, name her him Harlow. Harlow. Her. It's a her. Harlow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a W at the end. Something of it, tells me that you're not getting a dog. You know, I love dogs. I know you do, but really your apartment do. Uh, yeah. just doesn't call for a dog. It's not really a dog friendly no. kind of um, no. living environment. Mm-mm. It's very bachelor patty. Yeah. It's, right. It's, is it allowed even in your building? Yes. Yes. It's allowed. They do allow. Uh, they do allow dogs in right. my building, but right. it's kind of too much of a bachelor pad type of thing. Yeah. And it's very. Um, it's really not for a dog. Right. I mean, but a little dog maybe would be good. Well, that's what I have. I know. He's, I love dogs. He's a good one. Yeah, your dog's great. He's great. <laughs> he's very expressive. Yes, right? he is. He's very expressive. He's, he's got facial expressions in his eyes. Um, he, he's funny. <laughs> Lisa shows me these pictures of her dog. It's unbelievable. Well, you know, he'll be laying there and I'll say, um, Simba, do you want to go out? And if he does not want to go out, he looks at me like, like I am nuts. crazy. Like, get lost. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. It's too funny. I should post that it's picture. Cold. Yeah, you should. Post a picture of okay, your dog. I'm going to put a picture of Simba. He's saying, I do not want, I want to, go to go out. out. That's a so great picture. funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we're listening to Lux Radio Theater. And um, Lux was just such a great series because it had every kind of movie you could imagine. It had you, generally the film stars and all that. It was a very, very, very cool right, series. Which is why celebrities were attracted to Lux Radio Theater. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I don't know if we've ever, I think I've talked about this before, but just in case I haven't, you know, the reason why these big, big stars were available to be on the these radio shows. So you would think like, wow, look at this. You know, Humphrey Bogart is on these on Suspense or this show or that show. Or, you know, you have James Stewart. And weren't these people doing movies? Well, yes, they were. But remember, back then, they were on a salary. They were, they were, they were really working for the studio. They worked for MGM, or they worked for Paramount, they worked for Universal, they worked for, you know, uh, RKO, whatever it was, Warner Brothers. And so they were really on the payroll. They weren't like 
today where you have an agent and you can negotiate for how much you want for this movie or that movie. That's not how it was. If you were James Stewart back in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, you were an employee of, let's say, Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And so you made a salary whether you worked in a movie or not. So you were being paid, let's just say, $1,000 a week. You know, or maybe it was more probably, but just saying $1,000 a week. I would take that. <laughs> right. I'm talking about, well, I mean, James Stewart was probably I, making sure. more than $1,000 a Although week. Although it was a long time ago. So then what would happen is they would make their movie, they would make movies, you know, here's a James Stewart, you're going to be in this movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You're going to be in this movie, whatever, right? And in between making movies, the studio wanted them working. Yeah. So they would loan them out to these radio shows. And even though maybe the radio show paid $200, that $200 went to the studio. It didn't go to James Stewart. went to the studio because James Stewart was on the, on payroll, the payroll of yeah. that studio. So it's like so, they owned these actors. Yeah, that's yeah. how it was back then. So that is why these huge, huge stars are available for all these radio really shows. they didn't have a choice. No. <laughs> so if you said no, you got you fired, out. right? Yep. So you went and did whatever they said. If they said, okay, you're going to do this television show, or you're going to do this suspense radio show, or Lux Radio Theater, or whatever the case may be, they were like, okay, time to have to be there. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Right. I mean, they just were like, let's keep these people... Working. Working, employed. Even sure. if it was making $200 or $300. It was I agree. Still, it was still something because <laughs> they had to pay James Stewart anyway. Yep. yep. All right. So that's why, Lisa Wolf. Well, um, we will be back uh, next Saturday, our new time slot, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Yeah, but I think we're going to be a little late getting on the air again oh, next uh, week, There too. are some Blackhawks. Uh, yeah, there's we, a Blackhawks game next Saturday. We I might think be late. we're going to be starting at 11. We will keep you up to date. Check our Facebook page for updates. But I think next Saturday we will be on 11 p.m. till 3 a.m. Yeah, well, we got another hour here. We have the conclusion to the Lux Radio Theater, so stick around here on WGN. Hour 5 of the WGN Radio Theater. Thanks for staying up late with us here. We have a new time slot, Lisa. I love our time slot, Carl, because we start earlier and end later, so yeah. uh, what could be bad about We're that? We're on one night a week now, full five hours, Saturday nights from 10 p.m., until 3 a.m. We play five hours of your favorite classic radio shows each and every Saturday right here on the greatest radio station on the planet, WGN. Well, before we get back to the Lux Radio Theater, uh, Lisa is going to tell you all about our new website, 100radioshows.com. Yes, we've got seven different classic radio collections. Each of these collections have 100 old-time radio shows. Wait a minute. Seven and then there's 100? Yes. So that's 700 shows. <laughs> that's pretty quick. Your math teacher would be proud of you. I know. <laughs> she would be. <laughs> so you can own uh, the greatest old-time radio shows of old all time for only 30 cents a show. So wow. it doesn't get any better than that. And we have a Christmas collection, which is perfect for right now. We are all here enjoying all of these holiday and Christmas shows. If you want to enjoy more of them on your own time, you can choose the Christmas collection. Of course, there are other collections. There's mysteries, comedies, 
dramas, detectives, detectives westerns. westerns. Yeah, but We've right got now, it all. focus on the Christmas shows because you're going to get like suspense, Abbott and Costello, The Whistler, Jack Benny, all kinds of great Christmas shows. Right. I mean, there's Bing Crosby, there's Fibber McGee and Molly, there's Dragnet, there's Burns and Allen, Jack Benny, Boston Blackie, all of these great shows, but with a holiday theme. So yep. what a perfect gift or just a perfect collection to share with the whole family. Go to 100 Radio Show. Shows.com. Get them via digital download instantly. And these uh, links never expire. 100 shows, 50 hours of material, 50 hours of material in each one of these seven collections. And this is instant gratification. You don't have to mail away for them. They are on your computer instantly. That's the way I like it. All right. Go to 100radioshows.com. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's the conclusion to Christmas in July on the Lux Radio Theater. Stick around. Make Sundays your official night to tour the city, watch Chicago's best at 10 p.m., then stick around for the latest in shopping, entertainment, and events on See Chicago at 10.30 p.m. on WGN-TV. Okay, this uh, Lux Radio Theater, how uh, how perfect of a show is this for this time of year, Christmas in July? You know, this was a 1940 film, and it did star Dick Powell, the same actor that is starring in this radio broadcast, although in the movie... Ellen Drew was the female star, and in this radio broadcast, Linda Darnell is taking her place. And on this radio show, Lionel Barrymore is the host. Let's go back to June 25, 1944, for the conclusion now to Christmas in July on the Lux Radio Theater. Well, there are the trucks, Mr. McDonald, all loaded. They'll shoot right uptown with everything. Gosh, thanks. And for you and Miss Casey, a taxi cab. Also compliments of Shindle. He'll buy it. Put in the other packages. Yes, sir. Oh, how can we ever thank you? And that's not all. From Shindle's fernery, a beautiful orchid for the lake. <gasps> oh, Jimmy, look. An orchid? Oh, oh look, Mr. Shindle, I-, I don't like buying all those things without paying for them. Nonsense, Mr. McDonald. We know an honest man when we see one, don't we, boy? Well, yes, we <laughs> well, Mr. Shendel, why don't you take the check and, and give me the change? Uh, we should have change for such a check. Well, I'll, I'll bring you the money as soon as I put the check in the bank. Well, who's in a hurry? Drop in any time. Drop in tomorrow. <laughs> I certainly will, sir. Well... Goodbye. Well, the taxi's all ready. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, come in and see us again. We will. Goodbye and thanks again. Goodbye. Ah, what a boy. What a business. <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy, Jimmy. No, I feel kind of good myself. Can you see the faces on everybody when we get there? Yeah, like like Christmas in July. Well, Happy New Year. Oh, it will be a Happy New Year, too, darling, from now on. Everything new and clean and different. And just think, Jimmy, no more worry. No more worry. That's the only terrible thing about being poor. Say, what kind of a house are we going to have? Any kind you like. How about a penthouse? Uh-huh. They come kind of high, don't they? Oh, I was... Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, Jimmy, you fool. Will you love me always? Of course I will. For always and always? I don't know why not. Might be a long time. Might be uh, an awful long time. I hope so. The longer, the sweeter, baby. Hmm. Gosh. Oh, gosh. 
I just don't know what to think, Mr. Zimmerman. Buy anything you want, he says. An automobile, new dresses, furniture, even a Davenport. Anything. I know. My knifing, he drinks too once in a while. <laughs> oh, but Jimmy, he never takes a drink unless something terrible has happened. Mightily he lost his job. But he said he got a raise. A raise? Who gives raises these days? Listen, that noise in the street. What is it? Maybe a funeral. Look, right in front of the house. Such a congregation. Look, there's Betty. She's bringing him home in a taxi cab. Well, don't you worry, Mrs. McDonald. Maybe just a little accident. A leg, maybe, or a finger. Mom! Hey, Mom! There he is. Come on down. You too, Mr. Zimmerman. He's got presents for everybody. Get Mrs. Schwartz. Jimmy boy, Jimmy. Drunk as a lord in the middle of the afternoon. I never thought I'd live to see it. Never. Hey, now take it easy. There's something here for everybody. And what isn't here soon will be three truckloads. Wait a second. Oh, here's her doll, Sophie. Hey, where's Sophie? Jimmy! Here, darling, in this box. Hey, somebody find my mother. And, and look at this, everybody. Look, it's two carrots, too. Jimmy! Mom. Jimmy! Jimmy! Mom. Oh, what's happened? Are you drunk? Are you hurt? Mom. Jimmy, what's going on? Mom, but, Mom. Now, now, look at me, Mom. I'm fine. And everything I told you is true. The Davenport's on the way here and a lot of other stuff. Special trucks. Oh, wait till you see, Mom. Oh, then you did get a raise. Oh, glory. Mom, Mom, sit down. Sit down on the curb. It doesn't matter. I'll get you a dozen new dresses. Look, Mom, here's a check. $25,000. Jimmy, oh, oh. Hold on to it and I'll be right back. Hey, somebody find the ice cream wagon. Free ice cream, kids. Free ice cream for everybody. Oh, now look, Bill Docker, get wise to yourself. If the slogan's good enough for the 11 of us, who are you to say that it smells? You smell. One more crack out of you, I'm Bruce, and I'll bust you right on the nose. Sit down. Both of you now look, Bill Docker. The public was promised they'd hear us announce the slogan winner last night on the radio. So we couldn't agree, and we didn't announce it. We got to announce it by next Wednesday, and I think it's high time we talk this over. In a nice, friendly way, of course. Talk what over? Everybody but you says that this slogan is just what the doctor ordered. Maxford's magnificent and mellow. It's brief, it's smooth, it's pungent. It's putrid. And just why is it putrid, Mr. Bill Docker? Because it smells. Well, well, so there you are, Bill Docker, and all the rest of you playing poker, I suppose. Now, now that the contest is over, I wonder if you would be kind enough to go get back to your offices and try and sell a little coffee for a change, or am I becoming too commercial? And while I'm on the subject, I just want to tell you that of all the groups of fatheads that have ever had the misfortune to gaze upon, you take the lard pail. And what about the contest? Well, what about it? Now that you've killed it, what do you want to do? Hold a postmortem on it? Don't you want us to choose a winner? You did choose a winner. Who chose a winner? We certainly did not choose a winner. Well, you certainly did choose a winner. You, if ever... What do you mean you didn't choose a winner? I mean we haven't reached a verdict yet. Well, you certainly have reached a verdict yet. And uh, what are you trying to do? Stand there and tell me you haven't reached a verdict yet? We have not. Then, then why did you send him a telegram telling me he'd won? Answer me that. Send who a telegram? McTavish. We didn't send any tel... You didn't... Who's McTavish? You didn't send any... Well, you certainly did send a telegram. <coughs> Jumping Jerusalem! Get my lawyer! Which one? Schlummel, Schlimmel, Abercrombie, and Schlitz! Oh, get the police! Oh, that's, that's, you uh, can't do that. Quiet! No, quiet! And get me Schindler Brothers. The important thing at a moment like this is to remain cool and collected. Collected! Holy Moses! Call the bank! What's the matter with everybody? Call my bank! <laughs> Oh, yeah.
look at them, Jimmy. It's so wonderful I could cry. It's the best time they've ever had in all their lives. The whole darn neighborhood. You look see what at money them. can do, honey? Things like this. Uh, well, get another load. It's all on me. <laughs> you didn't forget anyone, Jimmy. A present for everybody. Everybody but yourself. Well, what I want a present for, I've got you. Thank you, darling. Look, here comes the truck with Mom's staff for it. Oh, she'll love it, Jimmy. She's... Say, Jimmy, isn't that Mr. Schindel getting out of the truck? Oh, but he didn't have to come down here himself. Come on, baby, let's find Mom. Take it all away, boys. Everything you see. A bunch of thieves and robbers. Hey, what's the big idea of grabbing my scooter? It happens to be my scooter. What do you mean? Jimmy McDonald gave it to me. And when I get through with that low-life McDonald... Yeah, yeah, what's going on around here? Arrest them, officer. All these people, arrest them. Who do you think you are, Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you all this merchandise. It's the property of Schindel Brothers. And who's got it now? You got eyes. These loafers. Enjoying themselves with some of my best numbers. You, young lady, come back with that dolly buggy. Goldie, I don't have to. Do I? <laughs> now, beat it, kid, beat it. Have a good time. I tell you, everything is stolen, down to the last pogo stick. Stolen? What's stolen? Grab him, officer, that low life. He comes to my store with a phony check, and when I ask phony him Phony to... check? Low life. He ain't even had the decency to run away. Hey, now listen, you. Officer, arrest that man. Arrest him? You starting that again. Now calm down and tell me what he's supposed to have done. I've been telling you. He's supposed to walk into my store and flash a sour check in my face. He's supposed to walk out with a diamond ring, which I suppose I don't see on that young woman's finger, I suppose. <laughs> and a nice fur coat, which I suppose she ain't showing off in spite of the weather. Mm. Was Jimmy in his store, Betty? Well, sure he was. So was I. Jimmy offered him the check, but he didn't want to... Rubber take... checks he offers me yet. Who says it's a rubber check? Are you nuts? Dr. Maxford, the Maxford house. Maybe he's nuts. Listen, Dr. Maxford gave Jimmy that check himself. I saw him. If Jimmy says somebody gave him a check, then somebody gave him a check. Now, Mom, well, Mom, take it easy. It's well, just a little mistake somewhere. Well, okay, okay, Shindle. Now, go on home. Think it over. Listen, you, I'll, I'll break you in so many pieces. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> All of you, you're all witnesses. This officer refuses to arrest you. you. Are you trying to intimidate an officer in the pursuit of his duty? Yeah, who's trying to imitate anybody? <laughs> I only want... I want my... Fo- officer, officer, arrest that man. They, that's been tried before. <laughs> Dr. Maxford, have you... Have you the nerve to even speak to me, young man? What are you talking about? I just want you to tell these people that you gave me a check. What check? What check? Why, why the one you gave him in your office. Let me see it. Certainly, here. Oh, that check. Well, now I feel better. Wait a minute. A crook? Destroying evidence? Who are you, you burglar? Schindle, you schnook. <laughs> Officer. Officer, I want all these people thrown in jail. Listen, Mussolini, Dr. I'm Maxford, gonna... Dr. Maxford, has there been something wrong? Why, don't you, why did you give me the check? Why did you send me the telegram? I never sent you a telegram in my life. I never heard of you. Well, you're not going to say you didn't give me the check. That was entirely a mistake. I suspected you the minute you walked my office. You mean I didn't win? You know perfectly well you didn't win. Oh, Jimmy. But, but, gee, I... I uh, Wait a minute. He's entirely responsible. This Maxford. This is an honest boy, ladies and gentlemen. And this numbskull here gives him a check. I should take back the merchandise I sold in good faith? Drive it. Take the Davenport up to the ladies' apartment. 
Enjoy it in good health, my friend. A present from Dr. Maxwell. I'll see you in Hoboken before I pay for anything. And I'll see you in court, where I guarantee you will pay for everything. <laughs> so, uh, pass the ice cream cones around. With love from Dr. Maxwell. He's paying for everything, including court costs. Well, there's, there's one present I have for you. Here! Yeah, oh, officer, I'm assaulted with a bloody nose yet. <laughs> okay, okay, the two of you. I'll teach you to make trouble on my beat. You're going for a ride, both of you. Come on. Jimmy, where have you been, darling? Oh, just walking. Everybody's gone now. I've been sitting here on the steps waiting for you. I couldn't face him, Betty. Look, supper's ready, Jimmy. Been ready for an hour. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter, honey. You can't lose something you never had. I don't want his old ring or his old skunk. You know, what I can't figure out is who sent that telegram. Jimmy. Hmm? Isn't that Harry coming down the street? And Charlie? Yeah, they're carrying something. Well, it looks like... It's... It's a Davenport. Well, there's Al, too. Hiya, Jimmy. Betty. Well, what in the world are you all doing? We, uh, we got something for you, Jimmy. It's a kind of Davenport. Uh, is this the kind your ma wanted? Uh, the crank fits on here, and when you turn it, it, it makes it to a full-size double bed at night. The, the guy says it works swell. Oh, I don't know what you had to go get that for. Well, we, we kind of hoped to make up for that phony telegram we rigged up. It was supposed to be a gag, Jimmy. Just a gag. It wasn't a very funny joke. We're sorry, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy... Oh, I, I see. I, I, I get it. Well, thanks for the Davenport. You can bring it upstairs if you want it. Oh, gee, thanks, Jimmy. We was awful worried. We figured maybe you'd be sore or something. No, I'm, I'm not sore. If you're going up now, tell my ma I won't be home for supper. Sure, we'll tell her, Jimmy. Okay, guys, let's lug her up. Jimmy, where are you going? I don't know. May I uh, go with you? Mm-hmm. No, if you want to. It doesn't matter. I guess nothing matters anymore. After the play, we'll have a chat with our stars But now the curtain rises on the third act of Christmas in July Starring Dick Powell and Linda Darnell with Raymond Walburn A few hours ago... Jimmy McDonald had $25,000 in cash and a couple of million in self-confidence. Right now, his physical assets total about 95 cents. And spiritually, well, there's more starch in your laundry bag. Jimmy's wandered all the way downtown. Force of habits brought him now to his office building. Betty's still at his side, and she says nothing when he takes the elevator to the floor marked Baxter and Son. Who that? Oh, that you, Mr. Jimmy? Hello, Sam. Uh, careful, sir, you don't slip on the floor. I've just been mopping up. Oh, evening, Miss Casey. Hello, Sam. Funny how different an office seems at night. <laughs> well, I always say how funny this office looks in the daylight. Forget to turn out the light in Dr. Baxter's office, oh, Sam? Oh, no, sir, no, sir. I don't forget. Mr. Baxter, he's still in there. Conniving away on something or another. Oh. Well, you hoped he'd be here, didn't you, Jimmy? Oh, and in a way, I guess I hoped he wouldn't be. Oh, why don't you wait and tell him in the morning? Sure glad to hear about your good luck, Mr. Jimmy. Uh, you wouldn't be needing a valley now, would you? No, thanks, Sam. Well, sir, I guess you're right. 
Pride ride before fall. But it's sure everybody that hits the jackpot while he's young and all. You said it. Oh, look, a kitten. Yeah. Hello, cat. Sam, is it good luck or bad luck when a black cat crosses your path? Well, miss, I always say that depends on what happens afterwards. <laughs> you said it, Sam. And it sure don't happen to everybody, sir. Oh, uh, your new office is ready for you, Mr. Jimmy. Yeah, so I see. You see the dough? The painter man just got through. You see what it says on the door? Let's look at it, Jimmy, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Mr. James McDonald. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, careful. I guess the paint's still wet. I, um, I guess it wouldn't hurt if we went in and sat down for a minute. Oh, it was going to be nice, wasn't it? Oh. Oh, now stop it, honey. Come on, cut it out now. Oh, please, Betty. May I come in? I heard you talking to Sam. Oh, uh, I was just coming in to see you, uh, Mr. Baxter. We stopped in to take a look at the office. And... Well, I, uh, I hope you like it. Oh, it's, it's just lovely, Mr. Baxter. Yes, it isn't every young man who gets his own office and a private secretary at your age. The great many of them, I'm afraid it would go to their heads. But I think you have your feet uh, pretty solidly on the ground. Thank you, Mr. Baxter. Oh, I mean it sincerely. Mr. Jenkins and I discussed our little meeting at great length. And I want you to know that we were genuinely impressed. Genuinely so. Well, that's certainly nice to hear, Mr. Baxter. I... Yes, the more we thought about your ideas, the more aware we became of their uh, pungency, their brevity, of their uh, sparkle. Thank you, sir. It's uh, certainly nice yes, to hear. Yes, you I... have a genuine talent for slogans. Must be like having an ear for music. Now, take me. I sing flat. And you, on the other hand, are a born sloganeer. It's bread in the bean. Hot ciggity. Well, it, uh, it's certainly wonderful to hear, uh, Mr. Baxter. I, I kind of got something on my mind, but, but you certainly made me feel a lot better. I'll wager he has something on his mind, huh, Miss Casey? Oh, it's really not what you're probably thinking, Mr. Baxter. Oh? Well, it's, it's just this, sir. Uh, now, look. Uh, if my ideas were good this afternoon, then they're still good, aren't they? I mean, well, uh, they'd have to be. They're still the same ideas. Well, of course they are. Of course they are. I'm not quite sure that I receive your thought. Uh, well, I mean, if you thought the ideas were good this afternoon, you still think they're good, don't you? Well, of course I do. Why? Well, I, I, I mean, since they were good and, and they're still good, they'd have to be good. And then it wouldn't make so much difference if I... It wouldn't make any difference. Oh, any difference if I hadn't won the contest, the Maxford House contest, would it? Of course it would make a difference. Oh, it would? Well, certainly it would. Well, Why? Well, I'm no genius, but uh, I didn't hang on to my father's money by backing my own judgment, you know. I make mistakes every day, sometimes several times a day. I've got a whole warehouse full of mistakes. Well, I should say it would make a difference. You see, I think your ideas are good because they sound good to me. But I know your ideas are good because you won this contest over millions of others. Yes, but you see, Mr. Baxter, I... It's, uh, it's what you might call commercial insurance. It's like a racehorse. If a horse wins the Kentucky Derby, well, then you, you, you back him for the Preakness. But I didn't win it. The Preakness? The contest. I didn't win anything. It was a joke. A joke? That's what they meant it to be. Who did? Well, some of the fellows. Oh, they didn't mean any harm. They, they just wanted to see how I'd look when I got the news, I guess. Well, just you give me their names and we'll see how they look when they get some news. Oh, I wouldn't care to do that, uh, Mr. Baxter. I... Oh, well, it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? After I spend a whole afternoon listening to a lot of baloney entirely predicated upon the winning of this contest and, and, and giving you this office. Oh, but Mr. Baxter, how about it's bread and the bean, the blue blood coffee? 
Well, I don't know what about it. We'll find that out. There's plenty of time for that. But I won't be made a fool of, you understand. I can't go around handing out private offices and secretaries on the strength of a practical joke that I personally consider far from funny. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, it'll be kind of hard to face that gang tomorrow from the back of the old desk. It would be just as hard to face her from in here if you didn't belong here. Uneasy lies the head He that... does belong in here, Mr. Baxter. Well, what is the joke this time? He belongs in here because he thinks he belongs in here. Because he thinks... Oh, that he's that's got... all very deep dish and highfalutin, but far from practical. It is practical, Mr. Baxter. It's the most practical idea you ever had. He belongs in here because he thinks he has ideas. He belongs in here until he proves himself or fails. And then somebody else belongs in here until he proves himself or fails. And then somebody else after him and so on and so on for always. Oh, I... I don't know how to put it into words like Jimmy could, but all he wants, all any of them wants, is a chance, a chance to show, to to find out what they've got while they're still young and burning, like a, like a shortcut or a stepping stone. Oh, I, I, I know they're not going to succeed, at least most of them aren't. They'll all be like Mr. Waterbury soon enough, but most of them anyway, but, but they won't mind it. They, they'll find something else and they'll be happy because they had their chance. Because it's it's one thing to muff a chance when you get it, but but it's another thing never to have had a chance. Oh, please, Mister Baxter, his his name's already on the door. Well, and if anything so... decided me, that would be it. Oh, Mister Baxter. Now you've talked enough. Desks have already been moved, and the name has been painted on, as you so skillfully point out. So we'll try it for a very short time, and at no advance in salary, you understand? Yes, sir. And for a very short time. Yes, sir. After all, this is a business institution and not a, a cultural or governmental project. Oh, you'll never be sorry, Mr. Baxter. Yes, well, I'm a little bit sorry already, so just let it go at that. Good night. Try to be on time in the morning. Oh, Shaw. Sure. Jimmy, Jimmy. You were wonderful. You'll always be wonderful. I'm just a little bit leery about me. Oh, don't talk like that, Jimmy. This is the chance of a lifetime, darling, and you know you've got what it takes. You know it. I don't know. I never did know it. I got that telegram, and I don't know anymore. I'm like Mr. Baxter. That's why I understood him and didn't say anything. See? Well, even if it shouldn't work out, it's, it's brought us together, darling, and that's something. Listen, I've still got the ring to prove it, and you can't back out of me now, or I, I'd sue you. We've plenty to be thankful for, Jimmy. Oh, you poor kid. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. Oh. Hmm. There's a cat again. Oh, maybe he brought us luck, Jimmy. Maybe. Good night, Sam. Good night, sir. Good night. <laughs> oh. What's so funny? I was just thinking how ridiculous Dr. Maxford looked this afternoon arguing with Mr. Schindel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that poor old buzzard. <laughs> of all the colossal gall. What do you mean by coming to my home and waking me up? I got some good news for you. It took a little doing, but I finally won those clocks over. What a jury. Well, it just doesn't matter anymore. This has been the stupidest, the most asinine, the most infuriating. But wait till you hear the winning slogan. But I don't wish to hear the slogan. I don't wish to hear any another word about the whole mess. Pick your winner, send him a check, and tell him to go soak his head. Listen to this. Is this good? If you don't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. <laughs> oh, Bill Docker. 
It's what you call a pun. And believe me, some pun. We just sent the winner a telegram, a guy by the name of James McDonald, and... Why, Dr. Maxford, how pale you look. Now, here's Mr. Barrymore with our stars. Now, in any theater I've ever seen, this is the time for a curtain call. And nobody's ever earned one more than Dick Powell and Linda Darnell. Thank you, Lionel. It was swell working with you. Dick, you better call me L.B. L.B.? Yep. It's a rule here, you oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> the producer has to be called by his initials. <laughs> well, I, I guess when you first came to Hollywood, Mr. Barrymore, things were a little different than they are now. Yeah. Uh, when I got off the train, Linda, there were hundreds of Indians all over the place. Oh, then you were here before Mr. DeMille, huh? No, the Indians were working in one of DeMille's pictures. <laughs> I was a youngster of 35 or so. Oh, uh, how old were you when you started in pictures, Linda? Oh, 15. Lionel uh, probably started on the stage about the same age, huh? No, no, Dick. No, you see, everybody in my family wears the same costume for their first appearance on the stage. Uh-oh. Rompers? No, diapers. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'd go to see you in diapers myself. <laughs> Incidentally, uh... Did Mr. DeMille leave word about next week's play? He'll be back himself, Dick. And the play will be It Happened Tomorrow. And the stars will be Don Amici and Ann Baxter. And if you've ever dreamed of all the money you could make and of all the wonderful things you could do if you only knew exactly what was going to happen tomorrow, this is the story. It's the strange drama of a man and a girl and tomorrow's newspaper. Uh, we'll all be listening, Lyle. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Uh, our sponsors, the makers of Lux Flakes, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Don Amici and Ann Baxter in It Happened Tomorrow. This is Lionel Barrymore saying good night to you. From Hollywood. <laughs> Dick Powell's next picture is the RKO production, Farewell, My Lovely. Linda Darnell appears through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox Studio, whose latest release is Daryl F. Zanuck's Technicolor production, Wilson. Raymond Walburn will soon be seen in Preston Sturgis' latest picture, Hail the Conquering Hero. Christmas in July was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, producers of I Love a Soldier. Heard in tonight's play were Charles Seal, Leo Cleary, Howard McNear, Verna Felton, Griff Barnett, Eddie Emerson, Tyler McVeigh, Norman Field, Charlie Lung, Franklin Parker, B. Benaderet, Eddie Marr, Abe Reynolds, Norman Nilsson, Norman Wilner, Ken Christie, and Horace Willard. This program is broadcast to our fighting forces overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. And this is your announcer, John N. Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Donna Michi and Ann Baxter in It Happened Tomorrow.
And that's the Lux Radio Theater from June 25th, 1944, an hour-long radio broadcast of Christmas in July, radio reenactment of the 1940 film. And this radio show starred Dick Powell along with Linda Darnell, Lionel Barrymore as the host of this show. Great Christmas program was heard on CBS, sponsored by Lux Soap. It was heard every Monday night from 1936 all the way to 19. 19- 55, I think it was like 900-plus hour-long broadcasts. And each show would cost upwards of fifty to $75,000. We're talking about back in 1930s and 40s. It was the most extravagant show on the radio, an hour-long production. And Lux Soap was the sponsor the entire time. They were footing the bill of fifty to $75,000 a week. Well, they have to sell a lot of soap to uh, I'll say, you know, talk <laughs> about selling that. a lot of soap. You know, they were selling a lot of soap. Is that Lux a bar soap. of soap? It had bars of soap. Yeah. They had, it was Lux uh, Flakes, so you can, you know, for like your laundry flakes. and everything. Yeah. You know, Lux, Lux was big, you know, obviously to be able to afford this show. But it was a great series, Lux Radio Theater, and they, what they would do is they'd take the greatest movies of all time and do a radio reenactment, and most of the time they had the original film stars. Not all the time, but like they had one of the film stars on this mm-hmm. with Dick Powell. And Cecil B. DeMille was the host and sort of the producer host for a long time, 1936 until 1945. Then there were other hosts, um, but all the big stars, Cary Grant, Frank Sinatra, John Wayne, Humphrey Bogart, Orson Welles, James Stewart, Betty Davis, you name it, they appeared on the Lux Radio Theater, the uh, the biggest, most expensive, most extravagant show from the golden age of radio. We hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break, then it's more here on the WGN Radio Theater. Well, Lisa, in August of 2020, we are going on a cruise. We sure are. Yes. Uh, we are so excited already. We are heading to Bermuda on Oceana Cruise Line, which is a very luxurious cruise line. How did we line that one well, up? Well, you know, because... Uh... Because we're fancy. <laughs> <laughs> that must be it. I guess so. Um, so we are hoping that you'll join us. We have a lot of people who have signed up, but there are still some cabins available, so do not delay. We are going on a ship called Insignia for seven nights, August 1st of 2020 and what a ship it is it's full of restaurants which will make carl oh, happy yeah. i'll be very happy i mean all you need is restaurants and maybe a casino yeah it has a casino right so you're good to go I'm i'll good. take i'll take the spa the fitness center and maybe some lounges right and a pool yeah. what else do i need oh man there's gonna be a lot of sun too Ooh, there's gonna be a lot of sun we are going to explore bermuda we're gonna head to st george and hamilton and we are going to make this a classic radio cruise so not only do we have the luxury of the cruise line but we're going to have some classic radio fun as well we're going to do some reenactments and some quizzes and some prizes and cocktail hours and fun and we're just going to take the time to get to know our listeners so if that's something that interests you and i can't imagine why it wouldn't um we hope that you'll check it out you can go to our travel agency keen luxury travel give them a call 800-856-1155 that's 800-856-1155 or go to our website 
website, WGN Radio Theater. Scroll down and click, click on the cruise banner. That's right. Go to WGN Radio Theater. Scroll down. There's a nice banner. I think I just said and that. And just click it. Yeah. Yeah, but my voice is a little deeper than yours. It so, is. Is yeah. that better? I don't know. I could make mine deeper. Can you? I could. Can you make it deeper than this? Yes, I can. But come with us on the cruise. We want to get to know our listeners better. We want our listeners to get to know us better. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. start things off with a uh, cocktail <laughs> party, like the first night. And we're going to get to know everybody. And then we're going to do trivia contests and oh, the reenactments. Do, do you? Are you an actor? Are you an actor out there? <laughs> this is your big chance to be in a radio drama. You, too, can try to deepen your voice. Yeah. <laughs> Come with us on our cruise. You're going to love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's August 1st, 2020. That is uh, when we're uh, sailing out of uh, New, New York. York. Yeah. And going to Bermuda. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I'm excited already. Yeah. All right. Well, Lisa, next week right here on the WGN Radio Theater, we'll start at 10 p.m. on Saturday. Yep. And we have Father Knows Best. Tales of the Texas Rangers, the Damon Runyon Theater, and then another Lux Radio Theater because we're going to be uh, still celebrating Christmas shows. Definitely. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week.